AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your SummerSlam 2023 post show for august 6th 2023 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots beer garden thank you guys so very much for joining me on this sunday morning Wherever you may be. I was hoping that it was a Saturday night. But we have now dipped into the Sunday portion of the weekend. And I find it funny how people wanted two more women's matches on this show, man. But holy shit. This show went longer than any individual night of WrestleMania. With eight matches. That's unacceptable. Everybody was crying about two women's matches being omitted from the show tonight. And WWE has the balls to go and book a four-hour and 15-minute pay-per-view that didn't need to be four hours and 15 minutes. SummerSlam, let's talk about it, man. You know, I'm very conflicted about this because no matter what I say, people are going to think I'm negative and I hate WWE and... I'm this and I'm that, and I use hate to get clicks and views and all this other fucking garbage. You know, comparing this to SummerSlams of yesteryear, I don't really feel any desire ever to go back and watch this show tonight. I don't. It did not give off, hey, I'm going to go back and watch this show 10 years from now, man, because this was such a great SummerSlam. This was a very middle-of-the-road WWE premium live event with some very good wrestling thrown in there with no major surprises and a bloodline angle with Roman Reigns, the storyline that is basically carrying WWE through all of last year and all of this year because they don't have anything else to bide their time with on TV. A bloodline angle that's carrying us through the rest of the year in hopes that it gets us to WrestleMania 40. And I honestly feel like we're running the gauntlet of bloodline angles week by week by week, and the interest is kind of declining week over week over week. Now, I don't mean that as a bad thing. I don't. I I just feel like I think WWE is turning their wheels with this storyline. And I think more people now want to see it come to an end than see it continue. How much more can we do here? I said this this afternoon, man. I was fucking half asleep with my guy, Andrew Baydala. We did a SummerSlam preview and predictions. We talked about this very same ending happening tonight because Solo Sokoa, And Jey Uso were the main event of SmackDown on Friday night. Everybody thought that that was going to be the main event for Payback, or at least one of the main events 
for payback. They gave you that on SmackDown, and then we talked about it this afternoon and said, well, being that WWE gave that match away legitimately out of left field on SmackDown, the only logical thing here is for Jimmy Uso to reemerge and then turn on Jay. That's exactly what happened. I don't know who asked for the brothers to be feuding. I don't know why the WWE would want to break up the Usos, the most celebrated tag team in WWE history, the greatest tag team in WWE history. Who asked for them to be broken up? How many of you guys in the chat want to see the Usos broken up? I know I don't. Just a weird, weird booking decision there. What is Jimmy's reason? Does Jimmy want to be the tribal chief? Is he jealous of Jay Uso? I don't know. I don't know what the storyline could be. Did Roman and Paul Heyman manipulate him to join back with the bloodline? Now Jay is all by himself. Solo Sokoa, Jimmy Uso, and Roman Reigns are the bloodline once again. Unless WWE takes Solo Sokoa and switches him over to Jay Uso's side with some of the tension there tonight between Roman Reigns, and we get Jimmy and Roman versus Jay and Solo, I, I, don't, I don't know where we would go from here. It's very weird. It's very weird. I know nobody wanted to see that, but that's the way WWE played it out tonight. As far as SummerSlam as a whole... I didn't really find anything on this show to be, oh my God, blow away exciting. It was a very solid card coming into tonight, coming into Detroit. And the show started off really, really good. It really did. Logan Paul and Ricochet, they exceeded expectations. They had a great match. Opened the show, really set the tone. Fun, fun match. Highlighted Ricochet as hopefully, you know, more of a star on Monday night. Logan Paul is just fantastic. WWE has done a fantastic job by putting him in the ring with people that are going to make him look great. And he's done the work. So the show opened up great. Then we go into Cody and Brock. And I, you know, as one of the leading voices in the community, I have been very against this shit. This storyline has been complete and utter garbage. No story, no reason, no explanation, rinse and repeat every single other week. You know, it's it's like WWE. You know, they, they played the same angle over and over again. Cody's there, breaks his arm. Brock is there, calls out Cody. Cody's back, we get a brawl. One week is gone where they're not on the show together, and then they brawl again. Rinse and repeat over and over and over again. It's the same angle that they played over and over again for three months, three and a half months. WWE booked a very good match between Cody and Brock Lesnar tonight. And I'm going to go out there and say easily it was their best, by far it was their best match. No doubt about it. It was their best match out of the three. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Even they delivered a solid match with a great story. It was a little bit more believable than the fucking broken arm in Saudi Arabia at Night of, Night of Champions. This was a little bit more... Uh, of a, of a digestible match between the two. Then we had Gunther and Drew McIntyre. I mean, how could you not like anything that those two, two guys do? Gunther is a fucking savage. The best thing on WWE TV 
outside of Roman Reigns. He is an absolute stud. Nothing that man does is mediocre. Everything that guy does is just top tier, top of the line on television. Drew McIntyre is exactly what you would want on your roster. A guy that's loyal, a guy that's dedicated. He's got the fucking look of a goddamn gladiator. He's great in the ring. He's a great promo. I even thought out of everything that we've seen from McIntyre and Gunther, you include Sheamus in that. Even though the match was very good, I even felt that that match was a little bit underwhelming. I didn't really feel like Gunther and Drew McIntyre really hit that, that stride that we know we can. And I have a very, very strange feeling about what may be coming out of that match. That was a very blatant, very clean ending tonight. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. So... We got three matches right there I thought were very good. Underwhelming with the IC title, knowing that what we've seen before that was just unbelievable. But it was a solid match. Not bad. I just thought that it could have been a little bit better, man. They could have shifted into the next gear. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor over exceeded expectations. I didn't really expect WWE to give us a banger like they did with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. We'll talk about that as well. To me, that was honestly the second best match of the entire night. That might have been the best match of the entire night, if you really want to boil it down. Might have been the best match of the entire night. I thought the near falls in that match were beautiful. I thought Rollins and Balor really wrestled a great match. I didn't really want to see Judgment Day out there looking a little foolish. I mean, Rollins made all of them look like geeks. But WWE did something at the end of that match that really... Gave you a reason to watch Monday Night Raw on Monday. And that's the biggest thing that they needed to hook you on going into Monday. How do we get everybody to continue feeling intrigued about the Judgment Day? How do we get them to watch Monday Night Raw and feel intrigued about what we're doing here? The ending that WWE gave us with the Balor and Rollins match, I thought was picture perfect. I really did. They gave you an ending... That could go one of two ways. It looks like Damian Priest helped out or tried to help out Balor, but at the same time, it also looked like Damian Priest purposely wanted Balor to lose because he wants to be the world champion. I don't know. But I thought what they did was absolutely fantastic. Probably the best match that both of them had together, period. Shayna and Ronda, absolutely a disaster in every sense of the word. WWE, they tried. Ronda and Shayna tried. WWE dropped the ball with this one. They should have did one thing in particular to really make this one stand out. And it got swallowed by shit booking and a dead crowd. Ronda Rousey, man. What a sad state of affairs Ronda Rousey is becoming the WWE, man. You know, listen. Ronda is an acclaimed athlete. Ronda is an MMA legend. Good riddance. I don't know these people. They don't know me. I can say whatever the fuck I want on here, man. Good riddance to Ronda Rousey. She gave nothing to her second run at all. And I feel bad for Shayna most out of anything because that match was hyped up as Ronda putting Shayna over on Ronda's way out. And that match did nothing for either of those women. Shayna doesn't look better and Ronda just looks like an embarrassment. And the crowd showed how much they cared about that match, which is basically zero. 
Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, Asuka, triple threat match for the Women's Championship. That was even somewhat of a dud. Not that the work in the match was bad by any stretch. I mean, it was a serviceable triple threat match. There wasn't anything in that match that we haven't seen before. It was a little clunky. And everybody is going to be talking about the ending, no matter what happened in that match, because of what happened with EO. But my God, man, WWE... You know, this is what happens when you go into a PLE with a soft story. There really isn't anything to sink your teeth into. Fans want to still, I don't know what these fans wanted in Detroit. Detroit, for the first half of the night, was great. The second half of the night, I don't know where the fuck they went. It seemingly felt like this entire crowd was deflated during the second half of this show. Honestly. I don't know what happened in that triple threat match, but this is what happens when WWE goes into a PLE with three of the top women in the company and basically half-asses a story. That's the end result. That's the product of your laziness. Thank God EO cashed in because that is the only thing people wanted to see at the end of that match. And WWE did a very, very good job of setting up that cash-in. Don't know why it had to be Asuka being pinned but we'll talk about that a little bit later. EO Sky is the new women's champion, and we are off and running with Damage Control one year later, finally capturing the WWE Women's Championship. This sets up multiple things possibly happening on SmackDown, and we will talk about that because there is also a major rumor circulating, cir- circulating in the WWE right now that there is going to be a huge return to the women's division. We will discuss that as well tonight on the SummerSlam post-show right here for your Sunday morning, Saturday night. I appreciate you guys joining, and I got to shout out my guy here, man, before I... I got Cam G with a $100 super chat tonight on the SummerSlam post show. Hey, JD, what's up? I didn't necessarily have the best Saturday. Long story short, the people on social media are extremely toxic and annoying, but I always can look forward to off the script to cheer me up again. Thank you. Can't thank you enough. Never, ever change OTS for life. Thank you guys very much for all of your support. And thank you, Cam G, for your generosity tonight, brother. Glad that you could be here in the beer garden to uh, hang out with us on this very early Sunday morning, man. We're going to get into everything we need to tonight. I want to thank you guys for a very, very eventful day. It was a very, very busy day, man. We talked about SummerSlam earlier this afternoon. We set you up for tonight's show. If you guys want to go back and watch that, if you need some time to kill, my guy Andrew Bedala and I talked about SummerSlam for about an hour and a half earlier this afternoon, man. Really, really great discussion there. Always great to talk wrestling with him. Very intelligent guy. So go check that out. Also, we got a video on the channel that is doing incredibly well. Jesse and I got together to talk about the AEW women's locker room and the problems coming out of that locker room over this weekend. Very, very, very upfront and very tame. 
It wasn't anything too malicious. It wasn't, you know, damning the locker room. It wasn't evil JD coming out. It was just a very, very topical discussion between two people who love AEW. Go check that out, man. Worth your time. 45 minutes of great content there. An hour and a half of preview and predictions with Andrew. Go check that shit out, man. Thank you so much for a great weekend. Everything else you might have missed on the channel. We were live for SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, Tuesday Night Titans on Tuesday. We got Monday Night Raw, and we're going to start it all over again next week, man. You guys know where to keep an eye and an ear when you want the best. OTS, man, go check all that stuff out. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Thank you guys for the love on Cameo this week. Absolutely incredible support there. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys get those super chats in as always. Never an obligation. Always appreciated. Get those super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. And make sure you guys also hit that join button, man. Become a channel member right here on Off The Script. You guys get access to early content when it is available. You guys get the best-looking emotes in the community. Members-only chats when available. Some great stuff, man. Some great perks there. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys sign up. You guys are going to get a free sample on me when you use that code JD. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. I still call it Twitter, man. I don't call it X. You're going to have a very difficult time getting me to say, hey, man, did you see what I posted on X? No. Sorry. Let's get into this, man. Let's get into this. Let me uh, let me check what's going on here for first on my phone, man. I got my phone blowing up all night, man. You guys are fucking crazy. My phone blowing up all night. You guys are awesome. I love that you're uh, so in tune with what I got going on here, man. SummerSlam. Let's start this thing off with Logan Paul and Ricochet. The best way that WWE can open a show, this is it. The reason why this opened realistically, the reason why this opened the show is because Logan Paul had to fly to Texas to go stand in his brother's corner as his brother Jake Paul was boxing tonight. So he did make it there. You guys can see that he did make it there safe and sound on Twitter. And that's the reason why this match opened the show. We had a great intro with Kid Rock Nice SummerSlam intro highlighting Detroit, Detroit Rock City. We got Kid Rock. We got a little Ba with Taba. We got some Kid Rock flair in the open of the show. Really nicely done there by WWE. SummerSlam opened up, man. The scale of the show was fantastic. Fantastic. My guy Evil Genius is uh, texting me. Yes, Genius, tell the ladies that there is coffee always, man. Always. Alcohol and coffee is what I'm about. The scale of the venue, man, was was beautiful. Very typical WWE setting for SummerSlam for their um, for their PLEs, their pay-per-views. Very similar to what we saw at Money in the Bank. WWE doesn't really change much as far as the setting and the environment for these big shows. They did announce an attendance of 59,000. WWE always embellishes what the real number is. The real number is closer to 52,000, but WWE announced 59,000 plus, so... They embellish that, but WWE's got the long walkway. They got the smaller entrance, and it isn't really 
unique, but I guess it's what WWE goes for with these current generation PLEs. But the large scale, man, Ford Field, over 50,000, it certainly felt like a major, major, major production. When WWE wants to say that this is the biggest party of the summer, with the scale of the show, man, it looked great. Ricochet and Logan Paul opened the show, man. I'm not a Logan Paul fan by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I will say this. WWE has done a great job at focusing on who they who, who have they put in the ring with Logan Paul, man. He has been in the ring with The Miz, which is the safest opponent that you could possibly be in the ring with. He's only had one major injury in how many years he's been with the WWE? 20 years? He is the safest guy that you can put in the ring with anybody. Miz, he was in there with Seth Rollins. He was in there with Roman Reigns. And now he's in there with Ricochet. WWE has done a great job of putting Logan Paul in the ring with people that are going to carry him and make him look great. Seth Rollins made him look great. One of the best matches all WrestleMania weekend. Roman Reigns, tremendous. I mean, if you don't have a good match with Roman Reigns, I don't know what the fuck you're doing here. And then Ricochet. Now, Ricochet is a great wrestler. I think, personally, Ricochet, you know, not the way that he's portrayed on television. He's somewhat of a mid-card guy on television. But if you want to really boil it down, Ricochet wrestles like a main event guy. Ricochet is fucking great. He's fantastic. And Ricochet and Logan Paul, so athletic are both of these guys. It just makes for a great pairing. And they say pro wrestling is an art form. It is an art form. you got a blank canvas. That matters your canvas. And they're going to go out there and do what they got to do and show you what their art really is. Ricochet is one of the best high flyers ever. Logan Paul is just as athletic as Ricochet. These two were great dance partners tonight. The perfect opening match for SummerSlam was this. And I thought that Ricochet, minus his NXT stuff, because I know how everybody wants to fucking... You know, claim that Ricochet had better matches in NXT. I'm not refuting that. You're not going to sit there and tell me about black and gold, man. Ricochet came from black and gold. I loved black and gold. Ricochet was absolutely incredible in, in everything he did down with NXT. His match with Johnny Gargano, his match with Velveteen Dream, his match with the Viking Raiders, when he won the Dusty Classic with Aleister Black, now Malachi Black, on AEW Collision. I get it. Those matches are fucking unbelievable. That tag team match with the Viking Raiders is one of the greatest tag team matches that WWE ever produced. So you're not going to tell me about Ricochet. But what I will tell you about Ricochet is this was his best match on the main roster, period. He hasn't had a match better than this on the main roster. He brought Logan Paul... To a great match. Logan Paul danced toe-to-toe, step-by-step with Ricochet, and they delivered a great match. Easy. Logan Paul is so good, man. He comes out. He's just healing it up. The best thing that WWE did was just kind of play into the fact that he's a heel, honestly. I remember when they trotted him out there the first time when they announced that they're bringing him on in. They wanted him to be this blue-collar babyface. Oh, you got to love Logan Paul. No, I don't. The guy's an asshole. He looks like an asshole. He's wearing a fucking $2 million, $3 million Pokemon card around his neck. Fuck this guy. Really. He gets in there. We get the ring introductions. Slowed the match down with Ricochet. They were kind of feeling each other out. There wasn't too much going on right now after they predicted that this would be the most viral match in WWE history. 
Logan Paul and Ricochet working back and forth, slowing things down before they really kick it into the next gear. Logan Paul mocked Braun Strowman in this match. Now, Braun Strowman's been out with an injury, neck problem. Braun Strowman has been Ricochet's tag team partner. Not really a tag team, but they've been a friendly tag team together before Braun Strowman went out. Logan Paul did Braun Strowman's running power slam, mocking Ricochet and mocking the fact that Ricochet is out there without his buddy. He also hit a very Hulk Hogan-inspired leg drop. He calls that one the Logan drop, I believe he called it. Or the Logan, the Hulk Logan or something like that. I forgot what they actually called it. It was a split-legged leg drop. And Michael Cole said that it was an homage to Hulk Hogan. Ricochet fought back. He acted as though he was going to do a people's elbow. He did the whole rock thing with the people's elbow. Everybody wants to mimic the rock now. LA Knight mimicking the rock. Ricochet mimicking the rock. I don't know if that really means anything outside of just paying homage to the rock. But instead of doing the people's elbow, he did a standing moonsault. Logan Paul uh, tried for a Spanish fly off the apron, but they landed on their feet, and Ricochet ended up hitting a Spanish fly on the mat anyway. The Hogan Paul, he calls it. I'm sorry. Thank you, chat. The Hogan Paul, he called the split-legged moonsault. Gotta love it, man. I'm sure there are people waiting to cancel Logan Paul for such a maneuver. So the Spanish fly on the outside looked like it sucked for both guys. Logan Paul later responded with a buckshot larate over the top to the outside. Logan hit a high cross and a standing moonsault for two. The guy can fly, man. He could certainly fly. They were on the top rope. Ricochet hit an avalanche neckbreaker. That looked fucking brutal, man. Ricochet followed with a handspring elbow, a springboard clothesline, a shooting star for a two. And the crowd was really eating this up. Now we're starting to kick it into the next gear. There was a really nice sequence where Ricochet caught Logan Paul in a moonsault attempt, but Paul reversed it into a tornado DDT spiking Ricochet right on the top of his head. Ricochet, if there's one thing that Ricochet does good, he sells tremendously, man. No matter who he's in the ring with, he makes his opponent look like a million bucks. Ricochet responded with a recoil. I don't think he really got all of it, but he got enough of it. Recoil on Logan Paul. Logan Paul got his knees up on a shooting star press that Ricochet went for right after that. Logan Paul hit a flapjack, a springboard frog splash for two. Ricochet came back with a super kick, a detonation kick, and a springboard moonsault for a very close two count. Ricochet tried for a 630, but Logan Paul moved out of the way. Ricochet landed and hit very hard in the middle of the ring. All of a sudden, we see some random no-name guy... On the outside, we didn't see a face. All we saw was somebody wearing a black T-shirt, black jeans, and a cap. Somebody hands Logan Paul brass knuckles. So after Ricochet misses this 630, he rolls to the ropes. He's got his hand over the rope, and somebody slips brass knuckles onto his hand, on his right hand. So he gets up. Referee doesn't see a goddamn thing. The refereeing tonight was fucking awful. Off the chains awful. He punches Ricochet in the face with the brass knucks. We get a one, two, three, and Logan Paul cheats to win. They didn't reveal who handed him the brass knuckles. The referee didn't see the brass knuckles, and Logan Paul cheated to win. 
Now, I didn't expect Logan Paul to win via cheating, but WWE may want to ride this out a little bit longer, man. You know, they want to talk about the most viral match in WWE history. I didn't really see anything here that would lend to that statement. They didn't really go completely viral. In fact, Logan Paul had more of a viral match at the Money in the Bank. Logan Paul had more of a viral moment with Ricochet in the Royal Rumble where they springboarded and collided with each other in the middle of the ring. I didn't really see anything here that would lend itself to being the most viral moment or the most viral match in WWE history. So this ending with the, with the brass knucks certainly set up for a possible rematch at some point. Maybe we get it at payback. There are rumors right now that Roman Reigns is not going to be wrestling at payback. He was advertised for payback in the promo tonight. We saw a glimpse of Roman advertised for the show, but we don't really know if Roman is going to be there or not. Typically, WWE does that because they want to sell tickets to the show. I think the the, the show is basically sold out, so I don't know why they need to shill Roman Reigns on there if he's not going to be on the show, but WWE is weird. This absolutely lends itself to being a match at payback if they so want it to be. Because if Roman's not going to be on the show, Cody's got to be on the show in a major way. Logan Paul's star power could be used there to bring in more people to sell tickets to the show and get interest in the show. So I see this being a rematch based on the ending here, which I don't have a problem with because what they produced here uh, certainly lends to it being a continuation. Now, I don't really like a rematch coming out of a major show. WWE typically does that with WrestleMania going into Backlash. Backlash is nothing more than WrestleMania rematches. SummerSlam now has payback, and mostly we're going to get SummerSlam rematches at payback. Not really a big fan of that. But WWE needs to keep the television train rolling, and they're so lazy to do anything else that's fresh and new that they're going to rely on rematches here. So I can see that being the case. This was excellent to open the show, really set the tone, uh, and I thought both guys worked very, very well with each other here at SummerSlam. Uh, Ricochet, I hope this means that WWE has a little bit more faith in Ricochet. Uh, It's been almost five years since this man has been called up from NXT and has had a run on the main roster. I think it's time we get Ricochet to that next level. I don't know if he will ever get there. I don't trust WWE to get him there. He is way too good to be in the current position that he's in. He wrestles like a main event guy. Fans love him. I could see kids admiring him, wanting to be just like him, finding an influence in Ricochet. Ricochet's the type of guy that when you look at his body of work, he's going to be somebody that influences a generation of high flyers for this generation. I don't think WWE really really takes that seriously. I don't think... They really know what they have in Ricochet. I I honestly think they take him for granted. But that's WWE for you. But Ricochet and Logan Paul delivered a great match. Great way to open the show. Logan Paul wins by cheating. I fully suspect that this match will get a rematch at Payback. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. He went one-on-one with Brock Lesnar. You guys know how I feel about this. I think I've complained about this to basically everybody that I know. A lot of people have become upset with me because they think I'm a Cody hater. Or I mentioned Vince McMahon too much. This is a Vince McMahon thing. And this is all Vince's idea. You know, you're going to hear reports that this was in the plans all along. I don't find that to be reputable at all. 
This was not in the plans all along. Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar was absolutely not in the cards following WrestleMania. Do you want to know why? Because WWE hasn't given us a fucking explanation in four months. If they had a plan for it, WWE would have at least made an attempt to give us an explanation as to why it was happening. They did not do any of that. We got Brock Lesnar attacking Cody on the Raw after WrestleMania, and it has been rinse and repeat ever since. Nothing out of this feud, nothing that came out of this feud has been exciting, memorable, or interesting at all. The promos have been very bland. It's typical babyface Cody overcoming the beast known as Brock Lesnar, the blue-collar babyface who's being held down and he's got to be the one to slay the beast and, you know, get the gatekeeper's revenge or the, the gatekeeper's respect, get revenge on Brock, wh- whatever the case may be. Whatever the case may be. There was no story here. Fans were so against what I was telling them because it hurt that they were coming up with reasons to make sense of this. Oh, Brock Lesnar doesn't need an explanation. Oh, Cody doesn't need an explanation. The fuck are you talking about? You don't need an explanation. I mean, take your favorite movie. Take your favorite movie, take your television show, your favorite television show. If the show didn't have a fucking meaning, the fuck are you watching it for? I watched every season of The Walking Dead. If you, if you think I was going to sit through 13 seasons of The Walking Dead without finding a fucking reason as to why the world became inve- infected, you're a, you're a complete fucking nimrod. Now, let me watch Breaking Bad for seven fucking seasons, which I binge-watched, by the way, because of Jesse's recommendation. Excellent show. One of the best shows ever. Yeah, Walter White cooking up some fucking unknown substance in the middle of the Arizona fucking desert, man. Yeah, yeah, he's just out there for no fucking reason. If Walter White didn't have a fucking reason for doing what he was doing, why did you sit there for seven fucking seasons? Everything needs a reason. You have a reason to wake up in the morning, don't you? Whether you're a fucking bum, a jobless fucking degenerate who sits in his underwear on the couch watching fucking old cartoons Monday through Friday. No job. Or you wake up and you go to a fucking office that you hate. You hate your coworkers. You hate your boss. You hate spending fucking $20 on lunch in Manhattan. You have a fucking reason to get up, don't you? You got to keep a roof over your head. You got to keep a roof over your head, man. Give me a break. Everything in this life you do has a fucking reason. The most important question in anything that you do is why. Even if you don't want to do anything, if you don't want to go out, if you don't want to do something your girlfriend or your wife asks you to do, well, why don't you want to do that? Because I don't want to. Why? Because I don't want to. Why? Why? It's the most important thing you could possibly do in a pro wrestling match. Why? They didn't explain that. So we had to sit through three and a half months of this garbage. And this is what we were left with. Match number three with Cody and Brock. Now, before I get into the match, I want to say this. If this shit lasted one month and this was the only match that we got, 
I would have been okay. I would have. The complaining probably would have been kept to a minimum. I wouldn't have ranted, bitched, and moaned and make fun of Cody every week and, you know, do the, whoa, you know, the, the typical meme. I wouldn't have made fun of the rinse and repeat garbage. Shaw, this is a Vince thing, pal. If this was kept to a minimum one month and this was the only match, I would have been a little bit more easy. I would have accepted what they did here. But I got to give credit where credit is due. I thought the Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes match was a very, very good old school story that got Cody over to where they needed him to go. It took them four months to get there. It took them it took them two terrible matches with Brock Lesnar to get there, but they certainly saved the best for last. And I thought the job that they did tonight was very good. I thought the story of the match was very good. What they did tonight, believe it or not, there was a rumor going around that this match was going to get a stipulation, whether it was going to be a steel cage match or a bull rope match. I know people wanted a dog collar match. Any of those matches would have made the match a little bit more fun. But coming into this thing, everybody was asking, there's no stipulation. I mean, we got two really, really average at best matches between these two. And you're going to go into a third match with no stipulation? How is it going to stand apart from the other two? Brock Lesnar matches really aren't different and refreshing. It's the same fucking thing every, every time he wrestles. F5, 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 suplex, suplex, suplex. He grunts and sweats and turns the fucking color of an apple. And that's it. He's got a different fucking beard, a longer beard every time we see him. There's no different compared to what he's done in the previous match. In the previous match, it's the same shit. But what they did here, and I commend WWE and I commend Cody and Brock, they turned a match that people thought needed a stipulation into a match that didn't need one. That was pretty difficult to fucking accomplish. But that goes without question that Cody is a great storyteller. And what we got out of tonight was Cody is a master storyteller. This was one of the best matches of the entire night. If you really want my, my honest opinion, this was one of the best matches of the entire night, believe it or not. The story that was this match really gave it the life that it needed. And whoever produced this match, I'm assuming it was Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes usually takes care of you know the bigger names on the roster, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, so on and so forth. I'm assuming he's doing Cody stuff too. I mean, whoever produced this match and helped put this match together, I mean, that person deserves a fucking race. I thought this was great. The whole story of this match was obviously babyface Cody being beaten down. He's not going to quit. And the Beast is getting angrier and angrier and angrier that Cody doesn't want to stay down. Cody got a big reaction. As always, we got two. Whoa! Two woes. Because that's what WWE does. Rhodes attacked Lesnar right as the bell was about to sound. I don't even think the bell rang. Lesnar was warming up. He was bouncing up and down, and he attacked Lesnar. Lesnar responded, big German suplex, but Rhodes came back with consecutive disaster kicks. Rhodes tried another one, but Lesnar tackled him out of midair with a spear. 
Rhodes avoided a big charging corner splash, followed with a suicide dive. Lesnar took control anyway, and he threw Rhodes around, hit a vertical suplex. He goes for a quick cover, only gets a two count. Lesnar hits some German suplexes. Now we're getting into same old shit territory, and they showed Rhodes' mother, Michelle, in the front row. Rhodes kept getting knocked out of the ring and kept getting knocked out only to come back in. So everything that Brock would do, Cody Rhodes would get knocked out of the ring and Rhodes would beat the referees. Six count, seven count. At one point, we got up to an an eight and a nine count. Lesnar was yelling to the outside, save yourself, Cody. Stay down. Save yourself. Rhodes rolled back into the ring, and Lesnar said, Cody, this is only going to get worse. He picks up Rhodes, hits another suplex. Lesnar knocked Rhodes out of the ring a couple more times. He kept getting back in. This is really where the match grabbed my attention because it's just old-school mentality. Cody is a babyface that's never going to die. He kept getting back in the ring. And every time that Cody got back in the ring, Lesnar was getting more angrier and more angrier. He got so frustrated that one of the final times that Cody got back in the ring, he shoved Cody back outside the ring and delivered an F5 on the floor. Cody Rhodes, it didn't look like he was making it back in the ring. He makes it back in the ring at a nine count. Rhodes all of a sudden starts to fire up. He starts punching Brock Lesnar. He's starting to make a comeback. People are getting behind Cody. Couple of right hands, Lesnar said. Uh-uh, that ain't happening, bro. Another suplex, throws him to the outside, and does another F5 through the announce table. Cole tried to yell at Cody, who was legitimately under his feet. Stay down, Cody! Stay down! Rhodes gets back up. He gets in the ring. And he beats the referee's 10 count by barely making it in in a nine. Lesnar gave him an overhead belly to belly. Lesnar gave him a German. Rhodes ripped off the top turnbuckle cover at this point. Rhodes was finally able to knock Lesnar down by hitting him with the steel steps. This is where the match got ridiculous. So now they're on the outside. After Rhodes ripped the top turnbuckle cover off, which never came into play, really. Rhodes knocked Lesnar to the outside. Cody picks up the steel steps. He hits Brock Lesnar with the steel steps. And the referee is just, (laughs) Cody, it's okay. Legitimately, this man picks up the steel steps, uses the steel steps, which is an illegal weapon, hits Brock Lesnar with the steel steps, And no disqualification. Rules for thee, but not for me. I mean, I don't know why they're booking such a very good match here. And then all of a sudden you got a (laughs) referee on the outside. So as far as I'm concerned, Brock Lesnar won by disqualification. No, but you don't want me to call that out, man. You're going to sweep that one under the rug. It don't matter, man. It's, it doesn't matter. It's a little oversight. Yeah, don't, don't worry about it, man. J.D. harping on nothing for uh, no reason. 
You saw it, right? I know I saw it. Ridiculous. If you want something to not be pinpointed and fucking made fun of, then do everything in your power to not include that in the match. Why did he need to hit him with the steel steps? After all that, after all that he was going through, he was going to use the steel steps against Brock Lesnar and have that be the defining moment in his victory? Come on, man. Ridiculous. So Rhodes gets in the ring, disaster kick, Cody Cutter. He hits another Cody Cutter off the top, which looked great, got a near fall. Lesnar all of a sudden applied a Kimura lock. Rhodes eventually got a rope break. Lesnar tried for an F5, but Rhodes pushed him. Uh, he did get involved with the, with the exposed turnbuckle. There you go. I'm sorry. Uh, the, exposed, the exposed turnbuckle, chest first. Rhodes applied the Kimura, and Lesnar sold it, but powered out of it. Rhodes countered with an F5, uh, and we counted an F5 into three consecutive crossroads. So Rhodes gets one, two, three crossroads on Lesnar. And Cody gets the win. One, two, three. He pins Brock Lesnar and finally vanquishes the Beast. I thought the match was great. Outside the steel steps that got tossed into play, which should have been a disqualification, really made the referee look like a <laughs> look like an idiot. Uh, I thought the match was a very good, very well produced, very well booked final match between these two guys. After the match is over, this is where it really got uh, a little, you know, what the fuck? Because you don't really see this happen all that often. Lesnar is standing there, and he's standing there after the match is over. The ref was going to step in because Lesnar was staring at Cody, and Cody was staring at Lesnar. Cody said, I don't need you. I'm all right. Puts his hand up in front of the referee's face. Lesnar then gets in front of Cody's face. They're touching foreheads, and they're looking eye to eye, and he then offers his handshake, does Lesnar. Lesnar offers a handshake to Cody Rhodes. He then shakes Cody's hand. Cody shakes his hand. He raises Cody's arm in the air. And Brock Lesnar showed off Cody Rhodes. And that was the way the entire match was over. The segment came to a close. Cody's smiling. And with that win, now we are on the road to WrestleMania. Cody says the road begins now. Michael Cole said, Cody Rhodes has arrived. A lot of people were asking, what does that ending mean? Why did they do that ending? Why did they really kind of humanize Brock in that way? The reason why Brock shook Cody's hand and offered his handshake is because now Cody has earned Brock's respect. That doesn't make up for the lack of story over four and a half months because we got zero. We got fuck all of an explanation. But the reason why Brock Lesnar extended his hand to Cody Rhodes is because Brock Lesnar is basically the dragon that's sleeping in the mountain. He is basically the dragon that's sleeping in the WWE mountain. And Cody was the fucking, he was basically Bilbo. He was Bilbo Baggins, who went in there looking for the Arkenstone, and he earned the dragon's respect. It's exactly what it was. Cody did 
what he did tonight. Fighting back. Blue collar baby face. Never say die. I'm not giving up. You got to fucking kill me before I say I quit. He shook his hand and he earned Brock Lesnar's trust. It's exactly what it was. Brock Lesnar's the gatekeeper and Cody earned his keep. Brock Lesnar is telling everybody, Brock Lesnar told the world tonight that Cody Rhodes is the guy. This is your guy right here. Cody's going to be the new world champion. This match did nothing to harm Brock Lesnar in any way. Humanizing Brock Lesnar by shaking Cody's hand after a loss does not do any, any harm to Brock Lesnar. This was basically WWE using Brock to say to everybody, this is our guy. Now the work begins. But the biggest question of all is, after four months of WWE kind of stalling Cody's momentum creatively, because that's exactly what this feud did. They had a very good match tonight. They needed to have a good match. But four months of this. My question is, and the biggest question now surrounding Cody Rhodes, is where does he go from here? WWE certainly has to deliver a major feud, whether that is against Rollins, whether that is against Randy Orton, who's been rumored to be returning, whether that's against Bray Wyatt, who right now, I don't know when Bray's coming back, but if the rumors are correct, he won't be back anytime soon, as WWE is taking very, very, very huge precautions with Bray Wyatt due to his illness. Whatever Cody does from this point on, it has to be a major feud. Especially if Roman is going to be going away, as rumored. I don't know if how, how true that is, but Cody's going to need something. What that something is, I don't know. But I thought they delivered here. I think they over-delivered here. Because I didn't really give this match any time at all. They went nearly 20 minutes. I, I was expecting eight, nine minutes. Same shit from the, from the past two matches, and we got a great match out of it. Now, hopefully, WWE could get Cody right on track here and make him look good, feel good, get that momentum going, give him something fucking more entertaining and interesting to do storyline-wise. Maybe something with a fucking explanation. Maybe. But Lesnar is going goodbye until maybe Survivor Series. I don't know where he's going to go, but all I know is WWE needs to have something major slap Cody in the face. Whatever that is, we'll find out hopefully on Monday. SummerSlam Battle Royal. The Slim Jim Battle Royal. Ooh, yeah. The Slim Jim Battle Royal. Man, we got some new school, old school Slim Jim commercials, man. They really kind of went over and above and beyond to include Macho Man Randy Savage in these new school snap into the Slim Jim commercials. Love it. I thought that was great. Giovanni Vinci. Ludwig Kaiser, J.D. McDonough, the fake J.D., by the way. Grayson Waller, Sheamus, Bronson Reed, Otis. Apollo Crews was in there. If you missed him, I don't blame you. I didn't even see him in there. Butch, let me at him, Scoob. They called Butch a mangy mutt on Friday night. They ain't listening to the fucking show. Butch, Rich Holland, Bronson Reed, L.A. Knights, Ivar, Eric, Cameron Grimes, The Miz, 
Tommaso Ciampa, Shinsuke Nakamura, Karrion Cross, Santos Escobar, Matt Riddle, and Austin Theory. 24 of the 25 guys were announced on the pre-show, minus one. Who do you think WWE trotted out there as the mystery guy before the match started? The mighty Omas! (laughs) Omas! Vince McMahon had a call and a favor, man. He had a... Pick up the phone. He's laying in bed with a hot nurse taking care of it, man, after he got spinal surgery. Ah, Bruce. Bruce, let me tell you something, Bruce. I need, I need Omas on this show, pal. I can't be in Detroit because I'm getting (laughs) spinal surgery. Oh, it's going well. Yeah, Bruce, I need, I need Omas. Tell, tell that wretched son-in-law I need Omas on the show. What? He doesn't want him. Omos hasn't been on television since WrestleMania. By God, I need Omos, pal! It's basically how it played out. It's basically how it played out. Omos showed up on SummerSlam. We haven't seen him since WrestleMania. So for all the geeks out there that claim that Triple H is completely in charge, uh, Triple H had no desire to put Omos on television. But here we have at SummerSlam... Omas on SummerSlam in the Battle Royal. Great. There was one point in this match where I, I just feared Omas was going to eliminate LA Knight. Really. I thought Omas was going to eliminate LA Knight, and I thought there was going to be a fucking mental breakdown, a, a fucking social media meltdown on, on Twitter. For Battle Royals, this was fine. I mean, this Battle Royal was basically done because WWE wants that cool advertisement money. Snap into a Slim Jim. Ooh, yeah. That's all, they, that's all they wanted. So, this match was under a lot of heat, a lot of uh, scrutiny, because people wanted, uh, oh, my God. Becky Lynch isn't on the show. Oh, my God, man. Rhea Ripley is not on the show. <laughs> How many geeks online complained? He wanted two more matches on this show. The show ended at 12.15. He wanted two more matches for this show, man. We'd still be watching the fucking show if that was the case. WWE did the right thing by putting this match on and omitting the two women's matches. I don't need to repeat myself. LA Knight is a priority, should be a priority. And that's what this Battle Royal served as L.A. Knight hopefully beginning his ascent to the top. Now, what does the winner of this Battle Royal get? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he gets a yearly subscription to Slim Jim. I don't know. Maybe he gets a cameo in their next commercial. Maybe he gets a burial coming up on SmackDown. I I don't know. You know, WWE would have did a a lot of good here if they actually said what the fucking winner of this match gets. Maybe a United States title match, an intercontinental title match. No, no, no. WWE in their typical fashion, LA Knight gets momentum. Momentum. What does that equal in dollar amount? 
momentum. Jack shit. It means zero. I'd take a fucking uh, box of Slim Jim, if that's the case. If you're going to offer me anything, seriously. Some salty meat. No, Genius is probably looking at me like, whoa, bro. Anyway. Um, Slim Jim Battle Royal. L.A. Knight was the odds-on favorite here. I actually had Grayson Waller penciled in to win this thing, believe it or not. The reason why I said that, because Grayson Waller hasn't won a fucking match. He hasn't won a match. This guy's wrestled Edge. He's been in the ring with John Cena. He lost the Fatal 4-Way in that United States Invitational. He hasn't won a match. So I'm like, what better way for Grayson Waller to win his first match than win a battle royal by nefarious means, cheating. He did not win. To everybody's shock and awe, he did not win the match. So we're, we're going to pick this thing up, man. You know, you guys expect me to go over every elimination? Give me a break. So Sheamus is in there. Cross, Styles, Gable, Reed were in this thing. Omos got eliminated. They gang uh, eliminated Omos, thank God. So we got Sheamus, Knight, Cross, Styles, Gable, and Bronson Reed. These are the last men in the ring. Styles eliminated Cross with a Pele kick, so their feud continues. Reed eliminated Gable. Uh, Gable, I hope, actually gets a push on Monday night as well. We'll talk about Gable a little bit later. L.A. Knight and Reed battle it out. L.A. Knight eliminated Bronson Reed. Kind of lame the way Bronson Reed was eliminated. He threw L.A. Knight over the top rope. L.A. Knight landed on the apron. Then Bronson Reed, always these big guys, man, it's always the same spot. He all of a sudden, for absolutely no reason, steps on the bottom rope and leaves. See, I knew you were going to say something, bro. Big pause. Yeah, I know. Um, He steps on the bottom rope. And basically half eliminates himself. Typical big man spot. I get why they did it, but Bronson Reed looks like a geek. He half eliminated himself, and then LA Knight kind of finishes the job. Throws him over the top rope, and Bronson Reed is eliminated by LA Knight. Big pop there. AJ Styles and Sheamus battle it out in the middle of the ring. Sheamus slammed a charging LA Knight down with a slam. Went for the broke kick on Styles. Styles sidestepped him. He went for a phenomenal forearm, but Karrion Cross, who was eliminated earlier by AJ, comes around and aids in Sheamus eliminating AJ Styles. So that was basically that. Cross yelled at Styles, It's not over, Styles! It's not over until I say so! Yelling at AJ, I don't know who's interested in seeing this continue, but Cross and Styles will continue their feud. L.A. Knight landed his signature elbow on Sheamus, followed by his finish, or an attempt at his finish, blunt force trauma. Sheamus blocked it, tried to eliminate him with a Celtic cross. L.A. Knight slipped down. Sheamus is back, shoved Sheamus. Sheamus fought back, went to the top rope. They did the same spot that they tried to do on Friday night on SmackDown, but botched it. Tonight, they did the same spot. They nailed it. So he jumps, does L.A. Knight to the top rope in one motion. Overhead belly-to-belly suplex off the top rope on Sheamus. So for all the geeks online that were claiming L.A. Knight is a botch and his push is going to get derailed and should get derailed and blah, blah, blah. They did the same spot tonight. I don't see where those people are tonight. I don't hear a fucking peep out of those people. 
Good. Shut the fuck up. Shit happens. Sheamus is no small man either, man. No matter how well built LA Knight is, Sheamus is a husky motherfucker, okay? They did the same spot, nailed it. Michael Cole even said, well, that worked tonight. He then tossed Sheamus to the mat with a belly-to-belly. He then clotheslined Sheamus over the top rope to win the Slim Jim Battle Royal. Crowd got what they wanted. They wanted to see LA Knight. He got the win. I thought that this was going to go the opposite way. I felt like with LA Knight beating Sheamus on Friday Night SmackDown that they were going to give someone else the Battle Royal. Happy to know that I'm wrong. Very rare that I'm wrong, but I'm happy in this case that I'm wrong. LA Knight, you know, he's somebody that the fans want to see. Michael Cole even coined it the Yeah Movement. Hopefully this means bigger and better things for LA Knight, man. Hopefully this is a start. We'll find out what happens on Friday. It's all in the follow-up. It really is all in the follow-up. WWE typically does not follow up well. LA Knight needs something important to do on Friday night. Whether that's a United States title or something. A major feud, something. Let's keep this momentum going. This is the start. Hopefully WWE capitalizes on it. They gave the fans what they wanted tonight, so we'll see what happens on Friday. Ronda Rousey. Ronda I was going to get my hobbitses in there, man. No hobbitses tonight, man. Becky Lynch was home. Slicing lemons. Don't know what she was doing, but whatever she did, man, I hope she had a good time. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. MMA rules match. This match sucked. This match was awful. Do I have any sound effects here? Let me see. Not really the one that I wanted, but uh, we'll uh, we'll go with that. This match was terrible. This match was awful. WWE did them absolutely no favors, man. You know, I had I had praise for Ronda and Shayna and the video package that they put together on Monday night. I thought it was easily the best presentation of both Ronda and Shayna all year. It was. No bullshit. I've, give, I've given Ronda a hard time. I've been very critical of Ronda, and, and you guys have to understand why, man. You know, I... A lot of people tend to think I hate for the sake of hating. And, and Ronda may be a fine athlete, a, a, a lovely woman outside the ring, you know, but the way that I see it, from my POV, I look at somebody like Ronda, and in this second run, and I know I'm not the only one that felt that way. 
I look at Ronda in this second run, and I and I looked at somebody, and I saw somebody that just did not want to be there on a week-to-week basis. She didn't. She was basically using this as a vehicle to get paid and to ride out her contract as lazy as it could be. That's all she did. WWE obviously did her and the division no favors, so I'm not really pinning it all on Ronda, but Ronda didn't really help the matter. Now, if you want to go back to the women's revolution where Ronda first came in and she had that first year, Ronda was unbelievable. Ronda wanted to be there. Ronda was excited. Ronda was the champion. She was leading the division. The women's revolution was blooming. It was over as fuck. Ronda worked. Showed you she wanted to work. Felt like she wanted to work. This second run, I never got that feeling at all. And like I said, WWE didn't do her any favors at all. She didn't get any favors by WWE. But she also didn't really show that she cared too much either. Now, they gave Ronda and Shayna the tag team championships. They beat Isla Dawn and Alba Fire. I don't know where they are. They've uh, been vanquished into the next dimension, apparently. Uh, I don't know. Whatever's worse than Titus Catering, those two ladies are there. They won the tag team titles. They abolished the NXT Women's Tag Team titles. Ronda and Shayna dropped the titles to Liv and Raquel Rodriguez very quickly. They didn't even hold them for a month. And... Shayna turned on Ronda. Shayna cited that, you know, she wanted to basically break out on her own and Ronda was never there to support her. And, you know, they really tried to make a story out of it basically with zero time, maybe three weeks, four weeks going into SummerSlam. They didn't really do much, but the story was palpable enough to get you through SummerSlam. And the rumor was Ronda Rousey was going away. I don't know where the fuck she's going. I don't really give a shit where she's going. But if she's going away, good riddance. I'll be there at the airport to fucking see her off. I'd pack her bags if I could. Goodbye. WWE did these women no favors at all. Everybody was like, oh, this is going to be a sleep." I, I even said today this was going to be a sleeper match. I even said when Ronda wants to work, you know, if she's in there with somebody that she wants to work with, And this is going to drive Ronda to really want to work because she's in there with her best friend. Ronda's going to show up. Man, was I wrong. Not only did Ronda not show up, Detroit didn't show up. Seriously. You could have put anybody in this spot and it probably would have been a difficult task for them to get this crowd over. But this was just absolutely horrible. This was offensive in every sense of the word. And WWE, you know, Detroit clearly didn't have an interest in this. WWE honestly handcuffed these women with a fucking stupid stipulation that nobody believed in from the very word go. I'm sorry. If you're a fan of MMA, you don't want to see MMA done in WWE because you know exactly how it's going to turn out. It's not going to be a worked, uh, you know, it's not going to be a shoot fight. It's going to be a worked fight. It's going to be a scripted fight. So if you're a fan of MMA, which most of these fans probably are, and you're watching this, you're not going to be entertained by this. You're not going to be you know, invested in this because you know exactly it's going to be you know, the way that you expect it to be. WWE is going to fuck it up. I don't want to watch WWE television to watch MMA. 
MMA fans don't want to watch MMA to watch some WWE-style bullshit. It goes back and forth. What WWE failed to do here was give this match any meaning. The story was there. There was not enough time to tell the story. And then WWE pretty much put the nail in the coffin here by this stupid MMA stipulation. Tap out or submission, no pin. What WWE should have did was give us their fight pit stipulation. A fight pit that Rollins and Riddle have been in. Riddle and, you know, what's his name? On NXT, Riddle was in two fight pits. That's what we needed. That's what we needed. A fight pit. Basically, a steel cage that looks like an MMA ring. That's what it was. It's like a a multi-layered steel cage. WWE puts these two women in there, and they beat the shit out of each other, and then you can have a fucking blast scripting your own WWE-style match. But what they did was try to give you a shoot fight in a scripted reality, and it did nothing. It did nothing to get any of these women over at all. It failed. The match went eight minutes. The crowd was dead. Ronda Rousey taps out, and Shayna Baszler wins with a Kirifuda clutch. Everybody was so excited about getting Shayna Baszler over. Ronda Rousey's walking away a loser. Ronda Rousey's walking away a disappointment in her second run, and Shayna Baszler was hoping that Ronda would put her over, and the crowd couldn't have given a single shit about who won this match. I genuinely feel bad for Shayna. I do. What happens to Shayna after this? Goodbye, Ronda. Is Shayna going to get pushed on whatever brand she's on? On uh, on Raw? No. I don't see WWE investing in 41-year-old Shayna Baszler. Match was the worst match of the entire night. By a lot. They did these women no favors. The MMA rules should have went out the window. This match should have been absolutely in the fight pit, and that's where WWE fucked up. Gunther defends the Intercontinental title against Drew McIntyre. This was one of the matches that I was looking forward to most here tonight because Gunther is fucking amazing. Absolutely fantastic as Gunther, man. I had one guy on social media today. Oh, well, uh, Gunther is boring, man. I, I can't wait for him to lose the title. I stopped reading after Gunther is boring. I mean, if you don't like what Gunther's bringing to the fucking table, man, you are not a fan of professional wrestling. And here's a little spoiler for you, man. As soon as Gunther drops the Intercontinental Championship, where do you think Gunther is going? It's going to win the world title, as he should. Drew McIntyre and Gunther, man. This match went 14 minutes. This was a very good match. It's a very good match. It certainly felt like something was off here. I could not put my finger on it, man. Was it a good match? Sure. Was it a PLE match? I don't think it was worthy of a PLE. I don't. It was more, honestly, you know, not to take anything away from Gunther and Drew McIntyre, and not to sound like I'm disrespecting them because I'm not. I just felt like this match didn't really pick up and go into the next gear that I know these guys could go into. 
Like it wasn't, it wasn't WrestleMania triple threat match with Sheamus. It wasn't that level of, hey, we're going to take this to the next gear. I just felt like it was there and it stayed consistent, but it never shifted into that next gear at all. And I don't know why. I felt like this match was kind of teetering on being great, but it just stayed at a consistent good. I felt like this was more of a Monday Night Raw main event than an actual PLE, hey, I'm going to defend the Intercontinental title on a major show type of match. And I mean that genuinely. Not to say that it was a bad match. I just felt like I was a little bit underwhelmed, honestly. The bell rang. Gunther got in some early offense here. Chops, some stomps. Gunther gave Drew McIntyre a German suplex. Drew countered with a hard clothesline, some more chops. Drew set up for a claymore. Gunther dropped under it and landed a drop kick. So he went for a claymore and Gunther countered with a shotgun missile drop kick. Man, that was fucking awesome. Really good stuff there. The match was hard hitting. In every sense of the word, it was hard hitting. So after that, he followed with a power bomb. He goes for cover, and McIntyre kicks out. Gunther goes up to the top. He hits the big splash off the top rope. He gets a two count. They exchange uh, chops. McIntyre was just firing up some chops. His chest was red thanks to Gunther's chops. He ducked one of the chops, did McIntyre. McIntyre ducked this chop. Gunther swung so violently, he turned around. McIntyre seen an opening. He bounced off the ropes. He hit the Claymore kick right off the chop. Great spot. Crowd loved it. They were chanting, this is awesome. They exchanged some more strikes here, and they're on the top rope. Gunther crotched him on the top rope. And I mean, this was a nasty crotch. McIntyre fell right on the top rope. He bounced he fell into the ring, and he followed Did Gunther because he was sitting on the top turnbuckle, goes up top, hits the big uh, uh, splash off the top rope, clothesline picks him up, clotheslines him down, power bombs him, folds him over, one, two, three, and Gunther retains the Intercontinental Championship. And the crowd was kind of deflated. I don't know if they were still deflated because the Ronda Rousey-Shayna Baszler match was so fucking boring and so terrible, but the crowd kind of started to come alive, and like I said, the match really never picked it up and went into the next pace to get the crowd really invested in what these guys were doing. That's why I felt a little bit underwhelmed. Are they capable of a better match? Absolutely. I'm not complaining about the match, but I just feel like it could have been done a little bit better. Gunther retains the title, and Drew McIntyre loses clean. Where do we go from here? I mean, payback is coming up. Payback is coming up on September 5th, Labor Day weekend. Or September 2nd, September 3rd, one of those days. I don't, I don't fucking know. Labor Day weekend, payback. McIntyre loses clean. The match and the way this match ended, it, it just felt deflated. It really did. I used that word a few times here in this podcast already. Deflated. I just get a sense that Drew McIntyre is done with the WWE. I do. There's nothing for him left in WWE. 
I don't know when his contract is up. I'm sure WWE has tacked on extra months in the time that he went away to go heal himself up and the time that he went away to basically sit out because he was creatively unhappy and he was trying to renegotiate a deal. I just get a sense that McIntyre is done. That's the vibe I got with this ending. Him losing clean kind of solidified that for me. And maybe it's best that he leaves the company. Because there's nothing else for him to do here. The only thing left that Drew McIntyre could possibly do is turn heel. Turn heel on Monday night. It has to make sense for him. But I can see Drew McIntyre turn into some Scottish psychopath. I can see Drew McIntyre cutting a heel promo. I can see Drew McIntyre being a brutal fucking heel. What else is there left for him to do? A heel McIntyre versus Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is going to need some more opponents. He's already done with the Judgment Day. What more does he need to do with Judgment Day? He beat Finn Balor tonight. What else is there for Rollins to do? Rollins versus Drew McIntyre as a heel. Drew McIntyre versus Cody. I could see that. I don't know where we go from here, man, but it may be best if McIntyre walks out of the company when his contract is up. Losing clean tonight was more of a statement than anything. And I feel bad for him. Because he probably requested this match. He probably asked for something a little bit more important. And he loses in 14 minutes. Clean. No Imperium. No Kaiser. No Vinci. Clean. So we'll see what happens there, man. But Gunther in the IC title reign is still ongoing. He's more than likely going to break the honky-tonk man's record. We got Sheamus on Twitter claiming that he wants to save the honky-tonk man's record. It should have been Sheamus. It still could be Sheamus, but Sheamus is on SmackDown. I don't know where we go with Gunther. I don't know if they're going to have someone come over from SmackDown. I don't know if they're going to use somebody from Monday Night Raw. But hear me out on this. WWE has a couple of names on Monday night that could take the title from Gunther. But do any of them really deserve it? Ricochet, I could see him going there, but we've been there, done that with Ricochet and Gunther. They wrestled a few times. Great stuff. I could see Ricochet maybe being a guy. Johnny Gargano, I don't know where Johnny Gargano is. Johnny Gargano would have been a tailor-made, picture-perfect guy to get into a feud with Gunther. And I'm sad that he's not on TV because, I mean, that would have been Johnny Wrestling 101. Tommaso Champ is another guy. I could see Champa being a guy to take the title off of Gunther. But Champ is not really in a good position either. Shinsuke Nakamura, we've been there, done that. There really isn't anybody on Monday Night Raw but one guy right now. Unless you want to bring Sheamus over, which I have no problem with. But Sheamus really hasn't been portrayed as a winner lately either. But there is one guy that WWE could absolutely use, build him up, get a story under him, get a story going with him going up against Gunther, have the match at payback, And then do it again when the record is broken. We need Chad Gable to beat Gunther and take the Intercontinental title off of Gunther. He would be the guy to do it. 
He would. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about Chad Gable. Let's get Gunther to break the record. I believe it's September 5th or so. After payback, we'll have another week of Gunther's champion, and we can book Chad Gable versus Gunther at Monday Night Raw or a fast lane or something like that. Chad Gable can absolutely be the guy to take down Gunther. You don't think these guys can deliver a fucking five-star match of the year classic? Chad Gable. Chad Gable could wrestle a fucking Victoria's Secret window mannequin and bring it to a five-star match. That would be fantastic. And there were rumors earlier in the year that that WWE wanted to move Chad Gable into a singles role. Now, I love Alpha Academy, but feuding with the Viking Raiders is doing nothing for me. I'm, I'm done. Chad Gable's way too good to be fucking held down in a feud with the Viking Raiders. Chad Gable versus Gunther is the way. I'd main event payback with that shit. It's good enough to be. Let's get Chad Gable and the IC title, man. That would be fucking unbelievable. Can you imagine the babyface support for Chad Gable? Unbelievable. Seth Rollins. He went one-on-one with Finn Balor. World Heavyweight Championship. I was looking forward to this match because of the cash-in potential of Damian Priest. Rollins comes out, and he wore these purple tights or these purple pants, and he wore a black and green vest. This is the same vest that he wore seven years ago when he wrestled Finn Balor to crown the first ever universal champion of WWE. I love that type of attention to detail. Excellent. Balor had seven painted on his shoulder. Said he was going to make Seth Rollins his seven-year bitch. Match starts, bell rings. Balor decked Rollins from behind. Obviously, they did the, whoa, you know, the typical uh, American Idol Seth Rollins' entrance, cringe. Balor decked Rollins from behind. He's standing there as the crowd is singing his song. Rollins fought back. Referee separated them before the match actually got started officially. uh, Balor targeted Balance. Balor targeted Rollins' shoulder. It's late. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Balor targeted Rollins' shoulder. Rollins fought back with a falcon arrow and three straight suicide dives. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and we're nearing 4,000 people live. Thank you guys very much, man. If you guys are just coming into the chat, you're probably coming over from the WWE media scrum, where I'm sure some fucking... (laughs) Ah, Cody! How are you feeling, man? Some fucking ridiculous question. Oh, how about... You know, Damien Freed, how do you feel about Bad Bunny joining Judgment Day? You got some fucking absolute virgin-sounding geek asking some ridiculous question. Thank you for coming to a real show. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining me, man. Almost 4,000 people at 2 o'clock in the morning, man. Holy shit. Appreciate you guys very much. So, Balor targeted Rollins' shoulder, and Rollins fought back. Falcon Arrow, three straight suicide dives. I do not like Rollins' suicide dives. I think they're very weak. 
Balor, uh, he was bleeding from the lip. Balor draped Rollins' arm over the top rope, drove his shoulder into the ring post. Balor powerbombed Rollins into the barricade. Same thing that happened years ago. But Rollins doing it to Balor. This time, Balor did it to Rollins. So, back in the ring, we get a sling blade, headlock, elbow drop for a a two-count. Balor applied an arm bar. Rollins hoisted him up. Consecutive buckle bombs in the corner. Frog splash for two. The buckle bombs, typically a lot of people are going to say stay away from the buckle bombs, but these buckle bombs were rather safe. WWE is, uh, you know, they, they monitor that. They kind of stopped doing them for a little bit, but they do them a little bit more safer now. So two buckle bombs there. Frog splash by Rollins. Great looking frog splash for a two count. Balor hit a double foot stomp. Drop kick in the corner. Balor went up. Rollins brought him down with a superplex. Rollins, before he could follow through, Balor applied a schoolboy counter for a two count. They go back and forth with some kicks. Both men go down. Balor hit a drop kick. Rollins avoided a coup de grace. Hit a pedigree for a very good near fall. Near falls were really good in this match, man. The near falls had me kind of sitting up on my couch. Oh, you know, I thought that was uh, one of the best aspects of the match. Balor came very close to winning the title here. Really good stuff. Balor hit a drop kick, but Rollins avoided a coup de grace. Pedigree for a near fall. Damian Priest, he's walking down the aisle with the briefcase. Crowd starts standing on their feet. They see Priest walking down the aisle. They start exchanging cradles. Do Rollins and Balor in the ring. Priest punched Rollins in the face from the outside to help Balor. Referee's back was turned. Balor takes Rollins, delivers a pedigree for a near fall. So we got a pedigree here. And Balor and Rollins doing the pedigree, and people are kicking out of the pedigree, man. Triple H somewhere is punching the air. How about we stop using the chief content officer's finishing move and making it a joke? Pedigree used to look devastating, man. Now people are using it as a fucking setup, and people are kicking out of it. It's kind of lame. So after the pedigree, Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio make their way down to ringside. I don't know, man. Balor was wrestling a fine match until everybody kind of jumped into his business. That's the way I felt. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but Balor was wrestling a great match, man. It didn't really feel like he needed Damian Priest out there, Rhea Ripley out there, and Dominic Mysterio out there. It's almost as if they were a hindrance to him being out there. So now all of Judgment Day is there. The referee is holding... Back, Judgment Day. Balor is arguing with Priest because Priest is trying to hand him the briefcase. Use the briefcase. Use the briefcase. Balor did not want to hear what Damian Priest was legitimately trying to do here. Damian Priest was trying to help Balor win by handing him the briefcase to help Balor win the title. Use the briefcase. The referee's back is turned. Nail him. Balor didn't want it. Or maybe he didn't understand it. So, as they're arguing, we got Balor and Priest arguing. Rollins used this distraction to a curb stomp on Finn Balor. Gets a two count. 
Rollins then goes to the top. Judgment Day is now swarming. Balor's in the ring. You got Dominic and Rhea Ripley running around like a bunch of geeks. Damian Priest is on the outside. Rollins, instead of jumping on Balor in the ring to continue the match, he jumps on Damian Priest to the outside. Big flying crossbody to the outside. Takes out Damian Priest. He dives on Dom. Gets back in the ring. Balor gave Rollins a sling blade. So Balor tried to use Seth focusing his attention on Judgment Day to capitalize here. Sling blade, drop kick, coup de grace. I thought this was it. I legitimately thought Balor was winning the title. 50,000 plus in Detroit wanted Balor to win the title. I wanted Balor to win the title. This was the closest near fall of the entire night. The best near fall of the entire night. Fans legitimately on their feet. Should have been the end of the match. Priest left the briefcase in the ring. Slid the briefcase in the ring. I don't know what was going on here, but the briefcase is in the ring. At this point, Balor went to go pick it up. He finally decided to go pick it up. And he wanted, I'm assuming, the way it definitely was portrayed to us was that Damian Priest used this opportunity to slide the briefcase into the ring to have Balor use the briefcase to help him win the title. But Rollins saw this before Balor could use it and pick it up, used the curb stomp on the briefcase, knocked Balor out, one, two, three, and Seth Rollins retains the World Heavyweight Championship. Crowd was big time into this match, big time. This was probably the best match of the entire night. You may differ than that. You, you may have a different opinion than that. I thought this was the best match of the night. I thought this was great. Blew away their money in the bank match. Absolutely blew it out of the water. 50,000 people compared to 20,000 in London certainly helped. But man, you got the theatrics here. You got the, the interference. You got the shenanigans of the Judgment Day. You know, a lot of this stuff you could probably look at and say, well, why did Balor need the Judgment Day out there, man? He was doing fine by himself. If Balor didn't have the Judgment Day interfering, he could have probably won the fucking match himself. But they feel like they need to just interject themselves into everything that each other is doing there in the Judgment Day. They're one big unit. But the way WWE constructed this ending, I thought was great. You got one of two things happening here. WWE seriously left this open-ended for two possible scenarios. One, you could look at it in a way where Damian Priest was trying to help Finn Balor win the championship by sliding the briefcase in there. He wanted to help Balor win the championship, but he ate a curb stomp instead on the briefcase. You could also look at it as a way that Damian Priest kind of knew that Rollins was going to take advantage of this and kind of foreseen what was going to happen here, left the briefcase there for Rollins to use so that he would be the champion and Priest would be the first one to beat Rollins instead of Balor. So you could look at it either way. You could look at it as Damian Priest tried to help, or you could look at it as Damian Priest did it on purpose because he wants to be the one to beat Seth Rollins. And this is what WWE perfectly did going into Monday Night Raw. They needed a hook for Monday night. There was nothing on this show that got you excited to watch Monday Night Raw. Nothing. This is it. 
They needed a hook going into Monday. They needed an intriguing angle going into Monday. This is what they got. This is what they decided on. And it worked. Now, I'm intrigued. Balor and Priest, they're going to have a problem. Balor's going to look at this as Priest did it intentionally. Priest is going to argue that he tried to help. Judgment Day is not going to be big enough for Balor and Priest. I don't know. Do we get a cash-in on Monday? We could potentially get a cash-in on Monday. Damian Priest could cash-in on Rollins on Monday. Damian Priest could be the new world champion on Monday. Looks like we may be getting some sort of payback between Balor and Priest going into the pay-per-view. That's where the story is right there. Now, I was hoping, the way that I had envisioned this, and I talked about this earlier in the day, I thought Balor was going to win the title. Rollins has been kind of hinting that he's hurt. He's kind of banged up. Rollins is the type of guy to me that is a great wrestler. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. Rollins is fucking great. Rollins has done more to help others than WWE has done to help him. Selfless has Rollins been. But the thing is, when Rollins wins the championship, everybody's excited. But when Rollins gets the, the ball rolling and he's on that road, one month passes, two months pass, three months pass. Rollins kinds to feel generic. He, he starts to feel generic. And you kind of get a sense right now that Rollins is absolutely the secondary guy. He is a champion. The championship is not anywhere close to where it is when Roman is holding a championship. He's just another guy. That's the vibe that I get. But WWE created that because they made this championship in light of Roman having three championships. So how else are you supposed to feel? Not to say that Rollins is a bad wrestler. He's fucking incredible. But as a babyface... WWE really hasn't done much to keep him hot. His feud with Judgment Day has been all right, but it's not lighting the world on fire. Tonight was great, but that's the vibe that I get with Rollins. I thought Balor was going to beat Rollins. I thought Priest was going to cash in on Balor, and I thought Balor was going to have one step ahead of where he was, knowing that Damian Priest was going to cash in on him. Where's J.D. McDonough? We heard for weeks, months, that J.D. McDonough is going to join Judgment Day. I, I, I thought tonight would have been a perfect opportunity to get Damian Priest out of there and get J.D. McDonough in Judgment Day. WWE didn't go with that. We could, see, we could see that play out on Monday, but WWE needed an angle to take you into Monday, and this is the angle that's going to take you into Monday. If they did the cash-in tonight, there would be no angle going into Monday. So we'll see what happens on Monday. I thought this was great. Easily the best match of the night for me, and WWE takes what they did with Judgment Day tonight, that little... That little uh, multi-part ending, you could see it any which way. Priest helping him or Priest doing it on purpose. That's what they're riding with going into Monday. Good stuff. Moving on. We got two more matches here, man, and then we're going to close it out with Super Chats. So I appreciate you guys sticking with me tonight. It is heading towards 2.30 in the morning on a Sunday morning. EO... Is being talked about here because the match itself was just very messy. WWE really didn't do these ladies any favor either. Bianca Belair, Asuka, Charlotte Flair for the WWE Women's Championship. And this is where things kind of just came down as far as the energy of the audience, man. It was palpable. Even watching it at home, the crowd was again unenergetic, and deflated. Now, I don't know what had happened. 
Maybe Rollins and Balor were so good that the fans were kind of out of energy. Maybe the fans just didn't give a shit about this match and they were saving whatever they had left in the tank for Roman and Jey Uso. But even when we got to the main event, the crowd even then was kind of subpar and unenergetic. So which is it? I'm going to go with WWE not really having a solid story here and the fans, as far as them investing their time into what these ladies were doing, just wasn't there. WWE gave you no reason to care about this. They didn't. Honestly, the way that I look at it, Bianca is boring. Bianca needs a fucking, I don't want to say a gimmick change, but an attitude change. Everybody loves Asuka. Asuka's great. But do you genuinely want to cheer Charlotte Flair as a babyface? I know I don't. Charlotte as a babyface is nauseating. Nobody wants to cheer her. Bianca is just same old shit. Nothing new there. WWE had a very lame story going into this thing with all three of these women. There's no story there. The story was very weak. This is the end result. They got nobody to blame but themselves. So, Belair, Charlotte, Asuka all get introduced. Asuka dropped both of them with suplexes early on. Belair and Asuka... They exchanged until Charlotte dropped them with a big high crossbody. We got a little bit of a mess. This match was kind of clunky in certain spots. A little bit of a messy uh, situation here where Charlotte was supposed to do something to both women in the corner, but needed the referee's help with her gear. Don't know what happened there. Always something with Charlotte. Belair and Asuka stood just selling. Asuka decided to try for the Asuka lock to basically bide some time here while the referee was attending to Charlotte. Charlotte wound up doing whatever the planned spot was, and it did not look good even after she fixed herself. Don't even know what it was. Basically, she just clotheslined them in the corner. Bella got a chance to get some offense in. She tried for a moonsault on both women. They both got their knees up. Asuka put Charlotte in the Asuka lock, but Bella broke it up with a moonsault. Charlotte goes to the top rope and hits the worst moonsault ever. Why do we continue to showcase Charlotte out there to do the moonsault and she fucking is shooting an air ball? Yet I got to hear from geeks, Charlotte Flair is the greatest of all time. She's not even the best wrestler in her division. And she has a terrible moonsault. I would take Tiffany Stratton's moonsault 11 times out of fucking 10, eight days out of the week. There's not even eight days. I'll add a fucking day over Charlotte Flair. Why does she continue to do the moonsault? Oh, it looks great, but it doesn't connect. It's a fucking air ball. It looks awful. Yeah, people, oh my God, Charlotte, such athleticism. I'm sorry, what are you watching? I just watched a woman jump from the top rope trying to do something that she shouldn't be doing. I always say, whoever's producing these matches, they just continue to do the same thing over and over again. She looks fucking retarded. She does. Misses the moonsault. Asuka kicks Charlotte. Asuka drops Charlotte with a DDT off the top. That didn't look good. Belair broke up the cover. This match was a fucking mess. Absolutely a mess. Charlotte booted Asuka from the ring before Belair gave Charlotte 
a German suplex. Asuka tried to steal a pin here, but Charlotte kicked out. Asuka applied an armbar. Charlotte got her uh, got to her feet. Belair took her down. Asuka put Belair in the Asuka lock, and Charlotte tried a cover with Asuka's shoulders down, but she kicked out. Charlotte then goes to the top rope. Both women are laying next to each other in the center of the ring. Charlotte goes to the top rope. She tries for another moonsault, but this time both ladies are laying on their back. She hits this moonsault. It still looks shitty, but she still hit the moonsault. No impact, but at least she hit the moonsault. Both women kicked out. Charlotte dumped Belair from the ring. She was going to the top rope, and I don't know what had happened here. I want to hope that this was all a work. Belair was going to the top rope. Charlotte shoved her off the top rope. All you, all of a sudden, you hear a, a double knock. You hear a... So, Belair hit the apron, and then she hit the steel steps on the way down. Now, supposedly, she hit her knee on the steel steps. After what we saw in the ending, I'm going to say that this was a work because Belair came back to the match after they tried to make a deal out of her being injured. So, she goes to the top, she falls to the apron, hits her knee on the steel steps, referees and medical staff come out, they carry her away, she's limping halfway up the aisleway, she keeps looking back at the ring, I'm saying to myself, she's going to go back in the ring, this is all storyline, and that's exactly what she does. It's exactly what she does. Asuka gave Charlotte a superplex, Officials are helping Belair up the ramp. Charlotte hit Asuka with a spear. As Charlotte applied a figure eight on Asuka, Belair shoved the officials away, limping into the ring. Belair jumps to the top rope, hits a 450 on Charlotte, who is already in the elevated figure eight. This looked great. 450 by Belair came down right on Charlotte and gets a near fall. We see Charlotte putting Belair in a figure eight, but Asuka is on the outside. She scurries back into the ring, and Charlotte again is in the elevated figure eight. She's upside down. Asuka, in her face, spits blue mist. Charlotte is blinded. All of a sudden, Asuka looked like she might win this thing. Belair rolled Asuka up for a one, two, three, and Belair is the new. WWE Women's Champion. Now, I find it funny how Charlotte wasn't pinned here. Don't know why we needed Asuka to be pinned when this was a triple threat match and Asuka could lose the championship by any one of these women being pinned. But why did Asuka have to be pinned? I don't get it. Charlotte was the one missed it. Belair should have pinned Charlotte, but, you know, WWE's got to protect Charlotte here. So I expect Charlotte to already claim herself to be the number one contender on Friday night because she wasn't pinned. Asuka loses the championship. Belair wins the title, but not for long. EO Sky's music hits. She runs down with Bailey. Crowd went crazy. Charlotte's in the aisleway. Bailey hits Charlotte with the briefcase, hits Asuka with the briefcase. EO immediately cashes it in. Belair and her knee is the story here. Belair gets a shot block from EO Sky. She gets nailed with the briefcase, cashes it in. Bell rings. She climbs to the top rope. Moonsault off the top rope. Crowd went crazy. One, two, three. 
NEO Sky is your new WWE Women's Champion. This was the highlight of the show for me. I don't know how you guys felt, but this was the best part of the night for me. I adore EO. At one point, EO was doomed to fail on the main roster. People didn't even think she'd make it out of NXT. People thought that EO would basically leave WWE when her contract expired because they didn't see any value in her on the main roster. Another one of Triple H's hires, another one of Triple H's girls, someone who doesn't speak English all that well. Another one of these Japanese women that Triple H has an infatuation with, but Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon doesn't see the big deal in. Everybody was worried. But EO makes it to the main roster. Bailey and Dakota Kai join forces at last year's SummerSlam. Damage control is, done, is, is formed. We got a done deal with them on the main roster. And they basically have been carrying out this damage control grudge against Bianca Belair for basically a year. You want to call it long-term booking, you want to come at full you want to call it coming full circle, whatever the case may be. It's more of a coming full circle moment. But EO Sky winning the briefcase was absolutely the right decision. Charlotte Flair, nobody wanted her to see, nobody wanted her to win the women's championship. Nobody wanted to see her as the champion. 15 times my asshole. Nobody cares. Bianca Belair, nobody wants to see another pointless, very bland and generic Bianca Belair title reign. Nobody. Bianca's great. But she as she is as boring as fucking dishwater as a champion. WWE did one thing here tonight, and that's set up multiple different routes for the women's championship. We could see Asuka versus Io Sky. We could see Io get a rematch against Bianca Belair. We could see Bailey potentially turning on Io. Maybe Bailey wanting that women's championship and joining the rest of them that are jealous. They are not the women's champion. We could get Bailey versus Io. We could get Bianca versus Io. We could get Asuka versus Io. Charlotte versus Io. Don't really care for that, but it's on the table. The SmackDown women's division has a little bit of a heartbeat to it. Damage Control owning the women's championship gives Damage Control a story now. Bailey and EO, Bailey turning on EO, I fully suspect is going to happen. There was a rumor going around tonight that WWE is set to bring back Kyrie Sane. Kyrie saying the pirate princess is set to join WWE. She tweeted tonight saying that she would have a press conference and a major announcement tomorrow afternoon. More than likely going to announce that she's rejoining WWE. Where is she going to go? I don't know. Asuka teased some backup or a backup plan. Is her backup plan Kyrie saying? Is her backup plan a reformation of the Kabuki Warriors, which I found overly stereotypical and generic? Or maybe we just get Kyrie Sane coming back on her own, eyeing the women's championship because she's good enough to be on her own, and we don't really need Kyrie and Asuka teaming up. I would much rather prefer Kyrie in the ring on her own. But imagine, man, imagine a women's division of Asuka, Bianca, Kyrie, Charlotte, Bailey, and whoever whoever else you got on that show. I mean, that five, I mean, 
That is what dreams are made of right there. Holy shit. I hope it's true. Triple H wants her back. He's going to have her back. I thought there was a hiring freeze, but fuck the hiring freeze. Here we go. Kyrie joining WWE again? I don't know, man. It sounds great, but they didn't really do much of her or much with her in her first go-around. They, 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 they took her for granted. Another one they took for granted and let her go just walk, you know? So we'll see what happens, man. That's a great starting five there on SmackDown. Could inject some life into the women's division. All they need, man, I swear to God, man, I say this every fucking time, every week. WWE's got the goddamn talent. They just need to write. Give me a story. You got the talent in that division. Just write for it. Nobody deserves it more than EO, man. I'm happy that EO got her spotlight. They really held on to that moment. They gave it enough time to breathe where it felt special and a big deal. Happy for EO. She's the women's champion, and there's no better representation of what that women's division should be than EO Sky. Main event. They began the entrances at 11.20. We didn't get this match started to almost 11.40. They really milked the shit out of this. The time that it took to get all of this introduction for the main event, they could have included another women's match. So blame WWE. Time constraints, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of that went to Jey Uso and Roman's entrances. Tribal combat. Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, Universal, heavyweight championship. This match went 36 minutes. Did it need to go 36 minutes? WWE could have shaved 15 minutes off this thing, and it would have did the same exact thing and had the same exact impact. I knew this show was going past 12 o'clock when we got this match starting almost at 11.40. The match started really, really, really slow. Crowd was excited for the ring entrances. Acknowledge me, says Roman. Jay Uso's doing his thing on the top rope. Everybody's excited. This is what we came here for. This is what we signed up for. Match started really slow. I started fading away, man. I'm like, when is this shit over? Holy shit. First five minutes or so started really slow. Jay started to come back with, some right hands to Roman, a big suicide dive. Jay, Jay drove him into the steel steps on the outside. Crowd chanted, we want tables because it's tribal combat. Jay pulled one out. Crowd went crazy. I don't know what it is with these wrestling fans lately, man. We want tables seems to be a fad, uh, a, a thing lately. I don't know why. Jay was distracted. Heyman was trying to plead with him. Please, that's your tribal chief. I love my tribal chief. Crying on the outside. Reigns was able to take advantage of, uh, of this because Jay was so uh, enamored with Paul Heyman crying. Jay fought back. Reigns hit him repeatedly with a comeback of his own with a kendo stick. Repeated clotheslines. Reigns went for a Superman punch, but Jay hit him repeatedly with a kendo stick until it broke. And then he followed that up with a big flip dive. Jay came off the top rope, but Reigns caught him midair with a Superman punch. Best-looking spot of the match up until this point. Goes for recovery, gets a two-count. Jay counted a spear into a schoolboy. Two-count. 
Jay Fowler with a super kick and an Uso splash. Two count. Reigns kicked out. Jay hit Reigns on the back twice with the steel chair. Heyman again pleading with him, crying. Jay then goes underneath the ring, throws about nearly a dozen steel chairs into the ring. He's got Roman Reigns on the top rope, and he tried to suplex Roman Reigns off the top rope onto these chairs. If you thought Roman Reigns was taking a superplex off the top rope onto a dozen or so chairs, you are out of your mind. Absolutely no way. Reigns slipped out, slipped underneath, right through Jay's legs, power bomb, counter onto the chairs. He goes for cover. Jay kicks out at a two. Reigns sets up a table in the corner. There's a table set on the outside as well in the upright position. Reigns sets up a table in the corner. Jay wound up giving him a Samoan drop off the apron through the table that was set up on the outside. They go crashing through the table. So we got weapons and we got tables and we got kendo sticks and chairs. I don't want to take anything away from Roman and Jay Uso because they're both great wrestlers. I will admit, up until this point, the crowd was lifeless. The crowd was popping for a table spot here and a kendo stick shot there and a steel chair shot here. The match up until this point was fucking boring. It really was. And I don't mean that, you know, if you enjoyed it, that's your cup of tea. But to me, with 50,000 fucking people watching the greatest storyline in WWE history play out in the main event of their second biggest show of the year, I anticipate a little bit more energy. The match itself was boring. I was not thrilled. I was not excited. I was not interested in what I was watching. Very fundamental, very ordinary, no DQ match that WWE wants to pretty up by saying tribal combat. I actually felt a little disappointed, honestly. I couldn't wait for the show to be over at this point. They're just dragging shit out now. You went 36 minutes for the sake of going 36 minutes because you think going 36 minutes is going to tell a better story. You could have told this story in 15 fucking minutes. Jay grabbed the strap underneath the ring, started whipping Roman Reigns with it. They start fighting into the crowd now. So they're fighting in the crowd. They got a bunch of photographers standing on a platform, taking pictures. They're in the production area, production crates around them. Solo Sokoa comes out of nowhere, attacks Jay Uso, puts Jay on his shoulders, and carries him to ringside as Reigns started to direct traffic. He puts Jay through a table, by the way, in this spot. Puts him through a table. Solo Sokoa is there. Drags him back to the ring as Reigns is telling Solo what to do. Reigns ordered Sokoa to put Jay down. So Solo gave Jay a spinning solo in the middle of the ring. At this point, crowd is dead. Lifeless. They're basically waiting for the ending of this match. Now, I don't know why they were so dead. Maybe they felt like... The match was boring. There was not real much excitement there. Maybe they felt like the outcome was going to be predetermined, that they knew Roman was going to win. Maybe they felt Jay didn't have a chance to win this match, and that's why they felt so deflated. I don't know. Spinning Solo. Jay is out of it. Solo and Reigns were about to do their double team spot. Spike and spear combo. 
Jay dodged. He pulled Solo in front of him. Reigns speared Solo by accident. This would come into play a little bit later. So Reigns shocked as he took out Solo instead of Jay. Jay speared Roman. He goes for cover. He gets a two count. Jay starts hitting both men with a steel chair. Solo saved Reigns again by super kicking Jay and taking him out. At this point, Solo was so frustrated with Roman, he started staring at Roman. This distraction led Jay to spear Roman Reigns through the timekeeper's barricade. Solo was upset at Roman for spearing him. But he didn't realize that Roman did it by accident. He didn't do it on purpose. But Solo had this anger against him. Like, why did you spear me? It was an accident. I don't think Solo realized that in that time. So Reigns and Jay go through the barricade. Solo attacked Jay again. Jay super kicked him. Puts him on the announce table. Splashes him off the barricade through the announce table. Jay speared Reigns. Crowd got to their feet. Uso goes to the top. Splash off the top. Jay is about to win the title. Until someone in a hood and a face mask comes out of nowhere, drags Jay Uso out of the ring, and it's revealed that it is Jimmy Uso. Jimmy Uso pulled Jay Uso out of the ring and prevented him from beating Roman and winning the Universal Championship. Crowd started chanting, Fuck you, Jimmy. Fuck you, Jimmy. And this was not bleeped out. This is not like SmackDown on Fox. You heard every fuck you, Jimmy, that Detroit had. Jimmy super kicked Jay, knocked him out. Reigns speared him through a corner table in the ring after his brother betrayed him. Roman Reigns goes for the cover. One, two, three. And Roman Reigns retains the Universal Championship. This was the worst match in the Bloodline saga that we've seen all year. Not to say that it was bad. It just did absolutely nothing for me. Nothing. Unexciting. I don't think anybody really wanted to see Jimmy turn on Jay. I think we're all in agreement here. I honestly think the WWE is just turning their wheels. Now, I don't want to say that they're turning their wheels like they don't have a fucking plan. I don't want to ever, I will never shortchange Roman and Paul Heyman with where they want to go. But they actually had a quote today, and Paul Heyman said, Roman Reigns will drop the title whenever the fuck Roman Reigns wants to drop the title. Basically, they're penning their own story. What does that mean? I don't know. When is Roman losing the championships? Whenever Roman Reigns decides to drop the fucking titles. What they did here today was a disappointment. Easily the worst match in the entire Bloodline saga in 2023. I don't know how anybody wanted to see Jimmy turn on Jay, but WWE had no choice. They had no choice. The rumor was Jay and Solo. Solo would have been the easy out. Solo would have been the easy out to help Roman from losing the championship. Solo, take out Jay. But they did this Jimmy story, and they gave you Solo versus Jay on SmackDown with Jay getting a clean victory. 
Nobody wanted to see that play out again at Payback when we just saw it on SmackDown, so they basically left you with Jimmy being the only choice. Now, more than likely, the main event for Payback will be Jimmy versus Jey Uso, brother versus brother. Sounds like a WrestleMania match to me. I don't know how we get there. But WWE broke up the best tag team in the world for this storyline. Where do we go from here? Jay is a one-man army against Jimmy, Solo, and Roman. So the bloodline is basically back together. The only thing to me that makes sense, the only thing to me that makes sense here is that Solo is going to wisen up and Jay, with what he told Solo on Friday, is going to wake Solo up and Solo's going to join Jay and now we're going to get a mishmash of the bloodline. First, it was Jimmy and Jay Uso versus Roman and Solo. Now I feel like we're going to get Roman and Jimmy versus Solo and Jay. This is the most defunct family I've ever fucking seen. Where else do we go from here? Roman doesn't have any challenges lined up on Friday night to defend his championship against. The rumor of him staying out and not wrestling at Payback, not wrestling at Fastlane, may be true. Who else is there? Who's taking the title off of Roman now on SmackDown? Nobody. Cody obviously is waiting in the wings for WrestleMania, but that's in April. We're not even through August. What are we doing here? It's a mishmash of garbage. I don't understand it. I mean, do you guys enjoy what we're watching here? I was honestly disappointed. Disappointed. The match fell flat. Detroit didn't help. I think more people want to see Roman lose the championship now than seeing this story continue. I think people just want to see Roman get what he deserves. But we got August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, Nine more months. Nine more months of Roman as the champion. SummerSlam was not a bad show. But I use that word deflated. 50 some odd thousand people at Four Field in Detroit. For half of the show, were alive. For the other half of the show, they couldn't give a single shit about what, what was happening in there. And waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen, ultimately, to just be disappointed. As far as crowds, one of the worst crowds of the year. WWE has really, really, really upped their PLE game this year. WWE has honestly given us more than we ever needed with these international PLEs. These international crowds are really making us American crowds look like shit. Honestly. WWE's got so comfortable going overseas that these crowds overseas, they're untouchable. That when we come back to the United States and we get 50,000 fucking people at Ford Field in Detroit and they can't make a fucking peep for the biggest goddamn match that WWE could do today for Roman and Jay, there's no nobody. Nobody. It's the last time I'm running fucking Detroit for a major pay-per-view. All in all, SummerSlam was disappointing. 
Does that mean I didn't enjoy the show? No, it doesn't mean that. I enjoyed Cody and Brock, believe it or not. EO winning the women's championship was the highlight of my night. I enjoyed Drew and Gunther for what it was. I thought it could have been a little bit better. I thought the open with Ricochet and Logan Paul was great. Finn and Seth was great. It's a good show. But ultimately, it was a very middle-of-the-road pay-per-view with no real oomph, no real surprises, no real excitement that's going to make you jump off your feet. We got one title change, and that was the Women's Championship. Very middle-of-the-road pay-per-view for WWE. Not really premium. Not really a SummerSlam that I'm going to go back and watch 10 years from now. Had some people telling me that this was the greatest SummerSlam they've ever watched. I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but you just probably started watching WWE two years ago. Ultimately, a very disappointing show. A good show, but disappointing for WWE. Thank you guys very much for sticking with me tonight, man. We had 4,000. It is unbelievable you guys are sticking with me here, man. 4,000 people live at 3 a.m. in the morning. You guys are great. Follow me on social media, man, at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Let's try and hit that subscribe button, man. I'd love to get to 148,000 subscribers. We can certainly do that here tonight, man. If you enjoyed the show tonight, if you enjoyed my podcast and... You want to come back for more, man? Please hit that subscribe button. Hit that thumbs up. Yeah, 3,900 people in here, man. There should be at least... There should be at least 2,000 likes. At least. If you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, I would really appreciate it. Get those super chats in. We're going to hang out in a little bit and run through all of the super chats. Go check out all the other content on the channel, man. There's plenty of it. There's an extra with Jesse and I talking about the women's locker room over on AEW side and our thoughts on them imploding from within and their uh, childish behavior. Did a video today, SummerSlam preview and predictions earlier this afternoon with my guy Andrew Baydala. You guys can join us regularly on Tuesday nights for Tuesday Night Titans and everything else that you might have missed during the week, man. Plenty of it. We are live on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Saturday. Collision, I heard, was a great show tonight. FTR versus the Young Bucks. Going to be ready for All In. Samoa Joe versus CM Punk. All In. I don't mind it. I got to catch up on Collision, man. I heard it was a good show. And tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew, man. Make sure you guys go and get your Blue Chew your version of long-term booking is bluechew.com. Code JD at checkout. All you guys got to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling, man. Long-term booking, man. I preach about it every single week. And if you guys want to set yourself up for success... If you guys want to pen your own storyline and finish your story, Blue Chew is the way, man. Blue Chew is a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. Anytime, man, you guys can take them day or night. Plan ahead. Be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Sign up at BlueChew.com. 
consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. It's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. They are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to you in a very discreet package, man. So why not benefit from this extra confidence and give Blue Chew a try? Code JD, BlueChew.com. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. And I want to thank them for sponsoring the podcast right here on Off the Script. Peter Gaymore, Omos, baby. Now that's good shit, pal. 12 out of 10. Peter Gaymore, hopefully you are all right, brother. Thank you for joining us tonight, man. I knew you would be in the venue tonight because your man Omos was on SummerSlam. Michelle with the $2 Super Chat. Think now Brock finally gives Cody an explanation. No. Brock is going back to Saskatchewan, and he's going to uh, do what he's got to do, man. Tone C with a five-dollar super chat at SummerSlam. Ronda Drowsy's match almost drove the crowd to sleep. That's why we call her Ronda Drowsy. Tone C. Michelle with a five-dollar super chat. Good match between Seth and Finn. I can see Seth and Priest at payback. With Finn costing Priest a match, just like tonight, Seth will then move on to Drew. I could see that. They need a major angle to play out on Monday, though. Basic with a 499. Hey, we'll join forces with Zane and KO. Their stable name will be the Step Brothers. You mean Jay. Jay Uso will join forces with Zayn and KO. Maybe. Why are we going to get Sami Zayn and KO back involved? Reginald Brackett with 21 months. Leaves no message. Thank you, Reginald. The fuck are you drinking tonight, Reginald? Michelle with a $5 super chat. Well, we got our main event for payback. Jimmy versus Jay. So SmackDown will feature Jimmy J solo while Roman goes on vacation. Does Jimmy's betrayal really make sense? I'm sure they'll make sense of it, Michelle. I'm not going to judge too soon on anything that they do because more than likely they have a, a very valid explanation. If it's not valid and it's not with, uh, you know, w- with um, what's in line with the, the, the storyline, if it's not in line with what we're thinking, and it's kind of lame, and it doesn't make sense. Clearly, we will discuss that on Friday night. OTS Tribal Queen with 20 months. Number one place in the IWC, and still WWE Undisputed Universal Champion Roman Reigns. Thank you, OTS Tribal Queen. Yes, we were number one by a landslide, man. Every time there's a show, man, Monday, Raw, Wednesday, Dynamite. Friday, SmackDown. Saturday, Collision. Every major pay-per-view during the calendar year, we are number one live after the show is over. Nobody else. Nobody else. When you want premium live event, OTS is the premium live event. 
on YouTube. Tony Brown with a 499. Ronda Lousy and her match sucked. Yes, Tony Brown. But Bailey was there. Bailey was on the show tonight, man. We know how much you love Bailey, Tony Brown. Jarrett Hotfinger with the $10 super chat. Roman Reigns is not a real champion. Jay used to put it all out there. I'm mad Oscar lost, but it stays with the most beautiful women in Asia. LA Knight, yeah. Mortal Kombat is awesome. Great show. Omega Con with 18 months. I said it a month ago about Jimmy, but I thought it was just a bad thought. I can't believe it happened. Oh my God, this story is crazy. I'm traumatized. I don't know if it's crazy, Omega Kong. I thought it was lazy more than anything. Joseph Taylor with a two-dollar super chat. SummerSlam seven out of ten. Ronda Shayna sucks. That's a little high for me, uh, Joseph. I'd go maybe a five and a half. Sean Ray J with a five-dollar super chat. Is it just me, or did the show feel flat to me? Like, it was a good show, but it was just missing that oomph. I don't know. Maybe I'm nitpicking. No, you you were not the only one that felt that way, bro. You're not the only one that felt that way. Tenario, one, two, eight with a $5 Super Chat. JD, did you like the Lions Den matches with Ken Shamrock at SummerSlam 98 and 99? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I thought they were great. Hollywood guy with a $5 super chat. Do you see Jey Uso recruiting maybe Rikishi and The Rock or someone else to do battle with Roman Solo and Jimmy for a bloodline civil war? Um, I don't know. Are they going to get the family involved? I mean, if Jimmy is joining Solo and Roman, Jay's all by himself. He's going to need somebody, Right? The show was not a seven. The show was not a seven. There was eight matches. You got to you got to grade on on simple mathematics. Logan Paul Ricochet was good. Gunther versus Drew McIntyre, good. Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar, good. Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor, good. Everything else kind of fell flat. So right there, you're looking at a five. You, you, you take EO's cash in, five and a half out of ten is a very respectable number for this show. Seven is a little high. I'm not giving WWE a seven at all tonight. Sinister, your trolling is terrible, brother. I, uh, I, I urge you to pick up a new hobby, man. Pick up a new hobby, man, like I did. I'm I'm collecting Pokemon cards now. Obsidian Flames and 151, man. I got booster boxes coming within the next month. If anybody's got any tips for my Pokemon card uh, hobby, uh, I, I'm, I'm all ears. Tenario with a five. JD, did you like? Yes. Yes, I did. Thank you, Tenario. Hollywood guy. Thank you with the five. Phil with the nine months. 
I don't know, man. The main event just felt unfulfilling. In my opinion, match tonight goes to Seth Balor or honestly, Cody versus Brock. Also, let's go EO. Well deserved. William Sweeney with a 199. VKM is doing his best to get Roman Reigns over Hogan. Roman's going to break Hogan's record. Easy with a $5 super chat. The way they treated Asuka's title reign, how do we expect Eos reign to be any better? I guess the bloodline story will go on forever. Uh, yeah, I, listen, easy. I, I agree with you there, man. You know, they don't really treat their Japanese superstars the way that they need to on the main roster. They take them for granted. More than likely, is going to be a transitional champion. Just the reality of the situation. Richard, with a 12 months, full year of being a member. I wish it was with a better show, but thanks for all you do, JD. Listen, Richard, I know SummerSlam was a little underwhelming, but I'm happy to have it for 12 months, brother. Thank you for being here. Lauren with a $5 super chat. Glad EO cashed in. Seth vs. Balor was definitely matching tonight. Jimmy vs. Jay at payback. No Bray, no Rock, no Orton. The show was definitely missing that big, uh, that big oomph for sure. Hiru with a $5 super chat from world of stardom to top of the world. Legit cried when EO won. She's the reason I got into stardom and now she's the women's champion. I'm so happy. EO is fantastic, Hiru. We all love EO. Cam G, thank you for the $100 super chat, brother. Really appreciate you. Not today, Jay, with 11 months. Happy 11 months, JD. I really didn't enjoy SummerSlam. I was asleep for half of it due to the fact that my sleep schedule is fucked up. Well, that's why I had made a whole pot of coffee before the show even started. So I'm good to go, man. Blurred the Nerd with the $2 Super Chat. We chanted, this is boring during the Ronda match. It was definitely boring. Danny Burgos with a new membership. Danny, what the fuck are you drinking, Danny? Appreciate you. Undisputed Gaming with the 499. Detroit was chanting, this is boring. I was there. They just weren't into at all. Big fan. I've been watching since 2013, and Detroit was loud all night. Detroit was loud for half of it. Maybe it's different being there, but... Crowd was a letdown, man. Thank you, Undisputed Gaming. I appreciate you, brother. Heisenberg with a 699. People genuinely thought The Rock was coming out tonight because of the rider strike. The IWC is something else. Anything to get clicks and views on Twitter nowadays, man. People believe anything. Justin with a 499. Triple H was asked about the women's division across all the promotions during the press conference. His answer was he doesn't see a difference at all. Maybe he should worry about his own women's division. And tell his father-in-law that he wants to book better women's wrestling. But Vince doesn't give a shit. And whatever 
Whatever Vince says goes. Vinny with a 499. Still confused. How Cody hit this dude with stairs and didn't get DQ'd. Thank God LA Knight won as well. Yeah. Christopher Smith with a 999. EOS got cashing in. Was the moment I lost my voice. I was genuinely happy and in tears for EO. I noticed when EO was celebrating that Bailey looked happy for EO. EO deserves this so much. She's so good. I love those women, man. Bailey is great. Love Bailey. Love EO. Happy for them. Couldn't be more thrilled to have EO as the world champion. Darius Mayfield with a $20 super chat. WWE pushing Super Cody to the moon with no story and minimal minimal logic. Can't wait to see what they cook up for Super Cody. Well, whatever they cook up, brother, it better be fucking grade A prime beef. Vinny with a 199. U.S. champ getting no entrance. And not Final Four is LOL. He's losing that title, man. Santos is definitely taking that title. Peter Gaymore with a $5 and a $2. And a $2 and a $2. I need Omas as well. At least I have my Omas jammies on. Can you read me a bedtime story in the Omas voice? Went through a lot of tissues tonight. Hashtag Omas. Well, Peter Gaymore, for the fact that it's 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm exhausted, I'll take a rain check on that, brother. I appreciate you very much, man. Show up on Monday, man. We'll do Omas on Monday. D'Angelo Hayes with a $5 super chat. Just made it home from Ford Field. Crowd popped like crazy for LA Knight and the EO cashing. That Ronda Shannon match was an absolute snooze fest. It was awful, bro. Absolutely a disaster was that match. The cake with a 24 months. 24 months. Glad to get the golden microphone. I've been watching OTS since April 2018. I remember finding the show out of pure curiosity. Also, congrats to Omas. Thank you, Cake. Very lucky to have you here, brother. Golden Mike looks good on you. Average foodie with a 100. Punk versus Starks. Greater than all of SummerSlam. CM Punk story. Better than Bloodline story. Punk's next feud looks much more better than a boring Bloodline and Judgment Day story. I would not go half as far as what you said there, average foodie. But uh, I'm enjoying CM Punk's run more time or more so now this time around than I did when he first came back. I think what Punk is doing is fantastic. Wallach Wall with a 999. Like you said, it's all in the follow-up and EO is screwed. WWE loves to give people their moment and then ultimately bury them. I'd love to see Tyler Bate and Ilya Dragunov beat Gunther. JD, you're the man. Tyler Bate and Ilya Dragunov both are ready for the main roster. What are they doing? They're fucking around on NXT. They do not belong there. At all. DJ Iffy with a 999. That LA Night Slim Jim commercial after the win was icing for me. I know I'm goofy for being happy with the win, but I'm hoping... They are feeling the Kavorka. Yeah. 
Well, Bruce and Vince better be feeling the Kavorka. They better be pushing that guy to the fucking moon, man. Blake with a new membership. Thank you, Blake. I thought you were a member already. You might have went away, man. Thank you for coming back, brother. Wallach Wall with a 199. Gunther versus Cody for the title in 2024 is my money feud. Yes. I don't know what they're doing with Cody, man. Not if Gunther is... Uh, listen. I know a lot of people are predicting Cody to win the Royal Rumble, man. I'm going with Gunther to win the Royal Rumble. Peter Gamor with a $2 Super Jack. Cody. Cody, can I ask you a question, Cody? Cisco with a $2 Super Jack. Four hours plus. Not needed. Absolutely agree. Robert Hurt with 29 months. Glad to see LA Knight win the Rumble. Where do you see LA Knight? Going from here. Well, he won the Battle Royal tonight, Robert. He didn't win the Royal Rumble. He's not winning the Royal Rumble. Uh, I like it. Listen, man. The thing that makes the most sense is the United States title. Simple. Beyond the script with 99 cents. Thank you, brother. Prodigy Freebird with 24 months. Show was mid. Traffic was horrible. Just leaving the city now. 2.30 Eastern. Yeah, I. Uh, Dave Melcher said something about the traffic being horrible, man. There was... Uh, uh, two other events going on at the same time, right in the same general area where Ford Field is, man. That's That's got to be a nightmare. That's why normally I get Airbnbs close to the venue, so I can just walk home. Hollywood Eric with four months. And Freebird, you got that golden microphone, brother. Looks good on you, man. Hollywood Eric, four months. JD, my brother Brian saw your shout-out to him on Wednesday. He watches your show because... Of me, SummerSlam was decent. Roman cheating to win pissed me off. Roman always cheats to win, bro. This is the norm in Roman Reigns matches. He doesn't win clean. Mohammed with a five. I don't think Jimmy is back with Roman necessarily. He did it for himself, I think. They could do a fatal four-way match at Survivor Series for the title. I could see that. Listen, you know, I don't know. That was one idea. One idea is certainly Jimmy joining Roman and Solo joining Jay. That's one idea for sure. I, I could also see how that plays out as well. Maybe he's just back for himself and Solo starts to kind of disengage from Roman and we get all four of them feuding. I mean, at that point, I think WWE is just fucking hammering it into the ground at that point. Your Nation's T with a 499. You called the Jimmy Uso turn when the Usos first left the bloodline. Also, did you see Oscar tweet hinting about retiring? No. I did not see that. And actually, we talked about Jimmy turning today as well on the uh, preview and prediction show with Andrew Baydala. Hollywood Eric with a five-dollar super chat. Hey JD, I'm gonna rant about SummerSlam on my YouTube channel and Collision, as two more challenges were made for all in, and give you a shout out. Thank you, Hollywood Eric. LJ with four months. Thank you, LJ. JD, what was your favorite match tonight? Rollins and Balor. 
Tom Crocco. JD, your show weekly, and you have saved me from my suicidal past. And I really just wanted to thank you. You are someone I use as my outlet to get away from my outlet when things go bad, and I just wanted to thank you, brother. OTS for life. Tom Crocco, that means the fucking absolute world to me, bro. That means the absolute world to me, man. That is greater than any donation that I received this evening. That's what we're here for. Just like I get comments like that, man. You know, I I have been going through a, a dry spell myself. I, I've been going through... It was a rough July. Some days I don't really... I don't really want to get out of bed. I, I find myself fucking depressed and... Stuck at a, at a dead end in life. And I don't know what I want to do. I'm confused. I don't know where I want to be. You guys keep me going, man. It works both ways. You guys give me meaning. And I appreciate every single one of you. Tom. Happy to have you here, brother. Lucky Geo with a 499. Do you think still think Cody beats Roman at next year's Mania? Yes. Also, here's another donation for you, my man. Been a fan of you for many years. Thank you, Lucky Geo, man. Ro- uh, Cody Rhodes and Roman is the main event for WrestleMania. OmegaCon with a $5 super chat. Two years of OTS. Started watching you. Summer Scam 2021 when you screamed, fuck Bill Goldberg. Just wanted to say you're awesome and thank you, JD. Thank you, OmegaCon. Indigo. I know you're not a new member, brother. Says you got a golden microphone there, man. I know you're not a new member. Coaster Cloudy with a five-month in the venue. Hey, JD, I actually love this SummerSlam, but hey, everyone has different views. Also, OTS for life. Listen, Coaster, you can you can love SummerSlam, man. It's five out of five, five and a half out of ten for me. I will not look back at this SummerSlam ever again. Nothing memorable happened here. Sue with a $20 super chat. OTS for life. Summer Summer scam was a wee bit long, but at least LA Knight gave us a small victory. I give the show a good five. Good job, JD. Thank you, Sue. Appreciate you very much. Bryant Lee with a $4.99. No surprises tonight. This SummerSlam was mediocre at best. Thanks, Vince. Yeah, I don't know how much Vince had to do with this, man. I don't know. Some people don't think Vince is back. Some people don't think Vince has anything to do with it. I think he's got a lot to do with it. To each his own. Tom Crocco with a 499. Also, JD, Heyman said in the conference, in real life persona, not character, the bloodline is only in the bottom of the third inning. And he said it three times. Roman said they were in the third inning back at uh, WrestleMania. How the fuck are we still in the bottom of the third inning? And Hiro with a $2 super chat. Gunther wins the Rumble. Cody wins the Chamber. I would absolutely love that. Gunther's my prediction for the Royal Rumble. Not really my prediction. I think Cody wins the Rumble, but I do think that Gunther should win the Royal Rumble. Guys, absolutely tremendous live stream tonight. We hit 4,000 in the venue. 
Thank you, guys. Thomas, I see you, brother. Thank you for the new membership. Coming in late at 3.17 a.m. What the fuck are you drinking, Thomas? I don't know what you're drinking at 3.17, but hopefully it's cold. Guys, I'm about to get out of here, man. I appreciate you. It's late. I need sleep. I got a busy day on Sunday. You guys killed it tonight, man. We were number one live in the community. SummerSlam 2023 in the books. What a tremendous content day. Go check out everything if you missed it on the channel. We'll be back with something I maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow night. I'll do something for you guys. If not, I'm going to try my best to give you some more content tomorrow to finish off the week. Because I know there's going to be some SummerSlam news. Monday, we'll be back live. Right here from the Beer Garden on the Monday Night Raw Post Show. Until then, guys, hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 2,000 likes. Thank you for the Super Chats. Thank you for the recommitments to the VIP Club. It's the place to be. Thank you for the memberships tonight. All you new members, man, thank you so very much. Hit that subscribe button, man. We are on our way to 148,000 subscribers. And go check out the rest of the content on the channel. And please, check out Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD. Get your free sample. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping handling. Guys, I'll see you back tomorrow and then back live on Monday for Raw. See you guys later.